When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. It's been phenomenal so far. Everything's going pretty well. Just, you know, vibing with my team, grinding and really competing with them. It's just setting me up and setting us up for success in the future. Um, I'm extremely hard on myself. Hard, probably my worst critic. And that's really sometimes I have to hold myself back. It's because uh, that's what will hurt me is when I'm too hard on myself and I'll let one mistake or one thing turn into two. So I think that's one thing I've definitely grown in or grown at and gotten much better at is just being able to kind of calm myself down and just say, you know, kind of what's next, what's next play. As I've gone around the state, the one thing that's really hit me, and, and I wanted to say it, and I, I mean this um, with elite um, humility and appreciation, is I want to thank the fans. Um, they've been coming to Memorial Stadium and supporting this football team for a long time. I just want to make sure they know that we're grateful and we're thankful. Uh, we're working hard uh, to earn the right to enjoy next season, to compete next season. Um, we're trying to live by the whole <laughs> mindset of day by day and not getting too far ahead. And uh, we want them to know that we appreciate when they spend their money to come watch us play. Ah, words of wisdom from yesterday going up on a Tuesday. Going up on a Tuesday with my man Robbie Lula. On coffee and cream in the morning. We are live, live from the H&H Chevrolet Studios, nestled in the rear of Hale Varsity Club. Of Hale Varsity Club. It's a little early in the morning for Come on, Robbie. We just got a lot of. It's just a tip. (laughs) It's too early for that. It's never too early for that. I'm not messing with you today, Shane. I'm just I'm going to get that out of the way right now. I, I walked in. This dude is staring at me for no reason. I had to ask him what he was looking at. I'm not messing that's, with him That's today. not a good start to the day. No, and then he's hitting me with some things that I probably ought not to have said that's on the show. That's pretty funny, though. Yeah, I, I was having a moment. And full disclosure, yeah. we were just talking about this yesterday. You go, oh, I'm sorry. I just felt like we were having a normal conversation. Yes. And you forget. 100%. You forget that other that people there are, are thousands of people listening, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So that happened to me. That yeah, happens. what are you going to do? Right there. I don't know. Apologize later. Thanks. Hopefully, uh, if you're out there driving around, getting the kids to work to school, maybe you're going to work, be safe. Hopefully, you stopped at the beanery, got yourself a nice coffee. Yeah. There maybe you go. a smoothie. Maybe a snack to get your. Ooh, what kind of snacks they got? Uh, so, kind of like your, your basic breakfast little treats. I don't know if it smells as good as what you've got cooking. Okay. The hint of double smoked bacon. Mm. <laughs> I don't believe that would be on the breakfast sandwich menu, but uh, you know your little your little your bites like a like a like a penny like like bite yeah okay they, so uh, make sure you stop on out at the beanery the official 
coffee of coffee in the mountain. I see you've got yourself a little coffee, a lot of ice cubes, and no straw. So are we back on that again? Well, listen, I I didn't think a straw was a thing in iced coffees or. In Did you not coffee. listen to apostrophe yesterday? I mean, the I tried straw, not to. The straw is to keep you. Did I tell you? I didn't tell you. He texted. He's texting me after uh-huh. getting on me about. Uh, like Steph Curry in the 80s and whatever, and he's like, well, I mean, they kind of beat up Pete Maravich, and and I don't know, I think he threw, like, World Be Free at me or something. Um, so he went full old man on you. I know. I was like, anytime somebody brings up World Be Free, you know they are an old head. But he's, you know, they're going to target him on defense. It's like, yeah. yeah, they target him on defense now. Like, Also, can we just, like, relax about – like, the 80s were so tough. They only played defense hard for, like, 30% of the time. Like, the highlights all show that it was a bloodbath, and for those times it was. But look at the highlights you're looking at. It's always Pistons, Celtics, Lakers, right? Some Bulls. Late 80s, sure. Kay. But the Bulls didn't play like that. The Bulls didn't beat you up like those teams did. Until they got Oak. And that's why they got Oak. Yes, that's, a, that's the reason. And, and Rodman, yes. Why they got Oak. 100%. Even, Oak, or even Rodman, like, he was physical, but he wasn't like Bill Lambeer, like, laying people out. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I, I, the, mean, the, I don't know. I watched a lot of 90s the, Rodman the, Bulls. The, the worm was, was this, is this pre-Carmen Electra, pre-Benjes, or, like, because early worm, he I was mean, different. He, he, he was, was a different guy. He, he was getting it. He, he, was, he was miserable well, to play against. Well, that's because he was with the Pistons. I believe that's a Pistons problem. Yeah. By the time he got to the Bulls, he wasn't, like, fighting people, unless there was, like, a cameraman. But the – yeah, like, these, these old heads always want you to believe that the 80s were just this constant bloodbath. And it's like there, were, there was a lot of bad blood, and you could get away with way more, but 80% of the time you were playing against a team – that was dramatically less talented than you, if you were a good team, the talent gap was a lot larger than Yeah, I don't now. know about that. Between the good teams and the bad teams? Yeah, I don't know about that. All right, that's a discussion for a different day. But what I know for a fact is a lot of these teams were not d up the way they do now. Yeah, I, there were a lot of years if Milwaukee wasn't going through Boston, they would have won significantly more. The Moncrief, Marcus Johnson. Like, there were some good teams. I'm not saying there weren't good teams. I would say, like, the top four or five. Certainly, in, I think, in my opinion, the top three or four and like, the East and the Western Conference were most more closely related than I think now. That's fine. But what I'm saying is, like, depth of talent in the league. So, like, you didn't have well, to. Well, there were fewer teams, though. I get that. But. If fewer teams should mean more talent on each team. Yeah, and I think at once – so once upon a time, and I, I'm going to get my ears mixed because I'm not that old myself. I just watch a lot of – I just watched a lot of NBA. It was hard to, like, not have a good player on the floor. I think you sure. see that quite a bit now. Yes. Right now, everybody's got a dude that you're a little bit scared of. You like, know, everybody. Like, you know, I remember, you know, the when Los Angeles, when the Lakers would, like, go to the bench, if a guy couldn't score, it's almost like, when's everybody else coming back in? Because, I mean, you just look at some of the starting fives, they're pretty good. I, I mean, understand even, that. Even, even, like, teams that aren't talked about, like, when Mike Ray Richardson was, like, with the Nets, and, I mean, there were, I, not to go down, hey, I'm going to spank your hand, but <laughs> there were... <laughs> 
I felt like I don't know. Maybe the the skill wasn't as high end. I think that's accurate. But there were a lot more good players, I think, on one roster. Ooh, I don't know if I want to go a lot more good. I, I listen. I mean, so you've got genuinely bad teams, right, in the league right now, mm-hmm. that. They've got some real – like, you have to go to Orlando, and, like, you don't want to mess with Paulo Bancaro. Like, you don't want to mess – like, Markel Fultz is playing good basketball right now. You don't want to mess with Wag- with uh, with Franz Wagner. Like, there's – the bad teams in the league still have dudes that everybody would want. And that wasn't always the case mm. in in the NBA in general. That's where I'm talking about. Like, yeah, the top of the league has always been pretty good. Now, you had some years where it was, you know – the the one team, whether it was the Bulls or whoever, like when the Bulls were going through the 90s, the rest of the East wasn't that great. You usually had one team, either the Knicks or the Pacers, that would give them a problem. But besides that, there was a pretty big gap. What I'm talking about is like 1 through 15 or 14, whatever it was back in the day, that 14th team back then, whether it was like the Nets during their bad years. Would, would, would you take a starting five of – Mark Price, Larry Nance, Craig Elo, John Hot Rod Williams, and Brad Doherty. I mean, depends on whose rules we're playing by. Cause that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good starting five, right? It is. That Cleveland Cavs team didn't win a gosh dang thing. I understand that. I, I do. I just, you know, just for context, right? So I think we, my point in saying that is, like, that's a good, that's a good five. That's a, that's a really it's a, good it's five. A real solid five, yeah. And I just think. We skip over a lot of... That team's not winning anything today, though, either. Well, it depends on how you play. Okay, but you're taking those... Like, you, you, like you let John... Like, you let some of these guys... Like, Brad Doherty in today's game would play for 25 years. Sure, yeah. Oh, z- zero question. That's that's fine. Zero question. And you go 25 years without a chip. That's how, fine. How many how many two man games could Price like let's say Price and Brad Doherty play? The pick and pop, the pick and roll, the oh come on now with the ability to kick to like Elo or somebody with a rim runner like Nance. I think we're I think we're sleeping a little bit on on the evolution of the game. That's a we are sleeping a little bit on the evolution, and that's where I have trouble. Is everybody's more skilled now? So I look at those guys. It's like, yeah, Elo. I think at the high end, I was like, Elo was a nice shooter for the '80s. Is he? In, would, he would he be a nice shooter now? Like well, Elo or like or Doherty? With the, with the way the game is called in terms of of how you can't put a hand on yeah. a guy outside of twenty five feet, sure, he's gonna get good looks. He's gonna get good. Sure, he's gonna get good looks. I, I just there's so the D- Dale Dale Ellis would shoot a thousand percent from three. I mean, I don't believe a thousand percent. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that, that a little hyperbole? That might be a little. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration. How'd we, how'd we get on this? Because uh, of Severe's old yeah, band take. Because because uh, Severe tell me that Curry couldn't hack it in the '80s. <laughs> hey, you're kind of salty about it. And I it. told him I was like, well, he would just rest on defense because half the guys out there couldn't shoot. So you could hide him. Something's, you can't hide him now. Something to be said. Like, you can't hide guys on defense now. And it's uh, honestly part of it's Curry's fault because he murdered the last one. And Andre Roberson, who was a one-way player, <laughs> just straight killed him on his home court. Now, if you killed someone, 
Notice I said that with an ED. <laughs> what kind of questions that? You know what I mean? Like no, no idea, Shane. Those guys don't exist anymore. The one-way players don't exist anymore. There was always one of those guys on the floor for everybody. <sighs> yeah, I don't know about that though. Everybody, Robbie. I'm I'm serious. Like, I, I mean, when Kevon Looney c- comes on the floor for you, you're like, yes, pencil them in for twelve. I mean, I'm never excited to see Kevon Looney. Okay, but I'm just saying, like, you have selective memory, though. No, I don't have selective memory. <laughs> the people are to the old heads have selective memory because they only. I'm, from, tr- I'm trying to. I'm I the balance. I appreciate I, I'm that. Like, I'm you're like, still talking about the top three, four teams in the league. I'm well, talking about the bad teams. Well, okay, so. Like, there's a reason, and I know this is a little bit later in the 80s than the 80s, but there's a reason the 96 Bulls won 72 games. That's because the bottom half of the league was free wins for everybody. Okay, so how did how did the how did Golden State make a eclipse the record? Because so what, they so, were that good. Oh, so Golden State was that good. The bottom no. of the league wasn't so that listen, bad. What happened in '96? Expansion. Oh, for sure, so it was diluted, right? Yeah, yeah, but you're still taking advantage of diluted franchises in 2023. No, because the you're count, taking you, no, 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 the no, no, count no. had caught up by that point. No, sir, no, sir. You're still taking advantage of diluted rosters in 2021, 2018. See, that's where we're going to have a hard disagreement. Right, there's no way, though. There's more better. No, no, no. How how many foreign guys we have playing in '96 and in the '80s? Listen, you're drawing. You, you act people. like guys like Smush Parker weren't playing in the NBA. <laughs> That was 20 years ago, and he was a joke then. It, was, it wasn't 20, but. It was close. It was like, like mid-2000s. It was like 15, 16 I, years I ago. I mean, so like, uh, a, a, I can't believe we're doing this, but now my dander's up a little. So <laughs> it's like, so the, the, the 2004 or five Pistons team that blew out. That was a good team. The, the Lake, are you looking at, but are you looking at their roster and you're like, whew. Man, Rip, Chauncey. People don't even want to give Chauncey Billups love now, and he's only 15 years removed from playing. Like, the revisionist history in order to, like, substantiate our current point. That team is also one of the largest historical outliers ever. Well, that's fine. Well, what about about the Spurs? Which one, the last, the 14? No. uh, So, would that be? You're talking about the one that beat the Heat? Yeah. Yeah, so that's 14. Okay, is that an outlier? No, you have Tim Duncan, who's an all-time great. You yeah, have, when you have Kawhi are, Leonard turning into an all-time great. You have no, Monty Ginobili. You have Tony Parker. Kawhi Leonard going for seventeen a night. Kawhi Leonard to Tim Duncan was, that was playing twenty-eight minutes a night. Tim Duncan, like listen, go look at their go look at his go look at Tim Duncan's numbers in that series. No, no, I understand like what still, this. I understand what the series was, but he wasn't Tim Duncan that was is debated with Kobe and a couple of these guys for players listen, of their decade. It wasn't peak Tim Duncan for sure. It wasn't even like... But you had Kawhi on the way up, you had Duncan on the way down, they kind of met in the middle, and you still had really good versions of, of Tony Parker and, and Manu Ginobili. Plus, that was... Isn't, isn't Bowen a guy that you're, you're talking about that can't play in today's Yes, 100%. Movie? Bowen couldn't play today. Listen, I'm not. T- I'm listen. I'm not arguing for mid two thousands. I would never. <laughs> it's just weird how we're not even going back that far. And, well, and we're, you're and not we're making back the, that far. No, because I, I I think it's I think it's I think what we're forgetting about is you're you're drawing hard absolutes. I'm telling you, like uh, it's not as it's not as far removed as you think, right? Like you make it seem like it was like way yesteryear and obsolete. It is still you could still make some of the same 
cases. The early to mid-2000s. Bro, you just had a team win 12 games three years ago. Yeah, that was – but also the other thing you have here – No, 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 no. We can't just – we just can't fast through, forward through expansion and act like it's not a diluted thing. It's well, still a thing. Hold, it, hold on here. You can, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. <laughs> and I'm sure you will. But part of these really bad records uh-huh. now uh-huh. are intentional. Oh, that's what it is. Am I wrong? People, people tank on purpose now. Right. Was that you, a thing back then? Well, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure you had the, the, the Rod Thorns of the world sometimes had to consider winning money for the Nets. Well, yeah. Um, but, but listen, though. So we're in March. Mm-hmm. There's probably six or seven teams. Mm-hmm that have their win total in the mid-teens. And we're going to act like diluted isn't uh, okay, but go look like at bad, the, bad teams and bad, bad teams or anything? There, listen, there's always going to be bad teams. Well, there's several. <laughs> yeah, there was like it, half the league before. But I don't understand why you used the 72-win Bulls thing as a thing to make your argument with because when in, expansion happened because they're still bad teams. Because initially when you go from – Set when you go from ninety five to ninety six, when you add the two new teams, that is the most diluted it will be. Is initially, so Detroit, San Antonio, and Houston have sixteen or less wins. Yeah, they're all trying to lose. Okay, I understand like that. So I'm not. Listen, you can make an argument that it's not a better product because of that. Okay, but I, that's hey, I'm cool with that because we were acting like it was this this hard fast no, cut no, no, line no. like what I'm talking about. They're over here and we're over no, here. What I'm talking about because product Cause, and cause, talent cause, are different. Because what because what you didn't want to say when the Bulls were one in seventy two with expansion in ninety six, we're not talking about load management and teams taking nights off and not traveling when oh, I totally the, when agree. Golden State was running through the league. So I mean, I mean. It, Listen. You're right. There's there's things there's things in every era. What I'm talking about is overall talent on the rosters. Mm. Even those really really bad teams. Like there's dudes on Detroit that I would be super duper interested in on most teams in the league. Right? There's dudes in Houston that I'd be really interested in on most teams in the league. I'm talking about the overall talent level, not the product they're putting on the floor cuz they're choosing a lot of times to put a bad product out on the floor because they want to go get Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> like I love the isolated examples. Well, I mean, because that's really what that there's is. There's always though. a guy though. There's always a guy that like, oh, we want to get this guy. We want like the like, Sixers like, were, like like who was who was tanking for Bennett to go to Cleveland? Come on, man! Like we got to stop with this. Listen, <laughs> some <laughs> some people can't be helped. <laughs> oh, this was this was. This is what's going to happen today, Shay. Oh, I see. And it started with you staring me down in the open. Well, I, I had blame to ask severe. him. Yeah. I blame Severe. Back in the day. I, Art, I talked to him the other day. We'll get Art back. I'm just saying, there's back. no way that you could convince me that Steph Curry couldn't hack it in the 80s. So we're still we're mad at a pot. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've won and lost a few arguments with him. Sometimes you just gotta gut it. You just gotta gut it. He is he's one of the most skilled basketball players we've ever seen yeah. in the history of the league. And and he would have played in any era. And he exactly. There's some dudes that transcend era, and people don't like to give Curry the benefit of the doubt there because of what he looks like. Mm-hmm. And that's just dumb. Because let's be honest, he's still six three, which back in the day a six three point guard was 
above average. That's not the case anymore. I get that. But 6'3 point guard back in the day was a good-sized point guard. By you had way, a lot of 6'0", 6'1s running around back then. By the way, 2014 Tim Duncan was playing 28.8 minutes a game, okay, and he scored 15 his, points, and he only look, played two more years after that. Look at his so we're numbers. not even talking about non-peak Tim Duncan. No, look at his we're talking numbers. Twilight Tim Duncan. Look at his playoff numbers. No, I understand, right, in, in, a, in a vacuum, but they had to get there. Like they that was not that was there. not that was not good, Tim that's Duncan. That's also one of the most balanced teams you've ever seen. Like that's, look at the roster up and down. That's fine. I'll give you the like balance. Like they needed more out of but Tim I'm Duncan. But I'm giving you examples, and you're like, well, yeah, but like, if we're gonna go this whole apples to apples thing, then sure. I mean, let's keep it 100, right? Like that was not a that was not a a individual because we're talking talent, right? Yes. That was not a supremely talented basketball team. It wasn't in their primes, right? Okay. Like you could like that 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 San Antonio team was not. Woo! But what did it take for them to win the title? The best team basketball I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, which is a lot of the Pistons. What happened with them and when they smashed the Lakers? I mean, a lot of what happened with the Lakers it was self inflicted. Maybe Carl Malone was or wasn't sleeping or making advances to Kobe's it's wife. Not, I don't know. It's not well. I think we do know. Hey, Carl Malone's history not great in that area. Dude, he said he'd fight Kobe on site. He said it's a standing invitation. Well, I'm I like, think a lot of people feel that way about Carl Malone. Also, that they would fight him on yeah, site. Yeah, has has not aged well. Let's uh, Shane. We're gonna sneak this in in the first segment. I haven't even no. set the lineup yet. We'll get there. Eventually. Let's go to my man Ronald. Ronald, good morning. How are you? Well, good morning. Oh, my man. <laughs> Just wanted to let you guys know, hey, I'm glad you guys are on first and foremost. I was getting killed in the morning. I didn't have anything to listen to. You're my so, man, uh, Ron. I'm, th- I'm thankful you guys are on. But if I could say one thing about Steph Curry. Okay. He's overrated. I I, I don't oh. mind. The, the kid can the, the kid can play. Not, 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 here, hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. When people talk, talk about his historic shooting do you guys know there's an organization that travels around the country 250 days a year that does the same shots every day, the whole team, which would be the Globetrotters? And that's basically, that's basically what he does, you know, because the, the NBA allows you to float around, not get touched. I, the kid can make the shots, true enough. But tell me that he's the greatest of all time when you got Bird and Miller and guys like that that, that are getting touched while they're shooting – and this guy is basically a globetrotter in the NBA. Mm. So there are a ton of guys that make his shots every day. Ronald, so, let me let me ask you one quick yes, question. How, uh, were you pleased with Nebraska's finish at the Big Ten tournament in wrestling? What was that? Say what now? Were you pleased with Nebraska's finish in the Big Ten tournament in wrestling? Man, I tell you, man, I got goosebumps, and I didn't. I wasn't even watching all of it. I had to go back and check. And they ten weight classes, right? Yeah, we got five in the finals. Has yeah. that ever happened with Nebraska? No, no, and, first, and, 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 first time ever. Like, and and you were you were about thirty seconds away from getting six because Pinto was really really I good know. for two and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, I'm so thankful for Manning and sticking it out but yeah absolutely but if the other guy want to trash me about steph's take uh I, you know i can take it i'm a sponge ronald you're the man i appreciate it <laughs> thanks Have buddy day, are you uh are you gonna be okay yeah <laughs> that's the most ignorant thing i've ever heard in my life you're gonna be all right you like, seem very hurt you seem very hurt right now are you gonna be 
that's the most. I mean, like that's that's just like a hey, tell me you don't watch the NBA without telling me you don't watch the NBA. Like, a, congratulations, Ronald. Like, I, you, you know more about wrestling than I do, so that's cool. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you here about the whole Steph Curry situation. That's a guy that doesn't watch watch off the ball, because if you watch Steph off the ball, especially in the playoffs, that dude's getting killed. Here we go all the time. And first of all. Globetrotter shots, there's not anyone in the world that makes the shots Steph Curry can make. All right? No one in the world. Now or ever. <laughs> you're, you're my man. And I'm a Larry Bird guy, so I'm not hating on Larry. Hey, we're going to uh, get Ravi a beer, a Zipline Acres Ale. <laughs> it's authentic, <laughs> brewed Nebraska cord, crisp, cream, and light, locally brewed, and perfect after not a long work day, but any work day if you're Ravi Lula. Start. Back after this, we'll set the light up. Coffee and cream. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Yeah, I'm really careful, like, you know, about the vocal thing. Like, um, you know, what we don't need is a bunch of spokespeople, right? Like, I mean, like I watched the highlight tape from last year. You know, we, we, we put it together, so no knock on anyone else. Like, our guys put it together. It's all people giving speeches in the locker room. Like, if you got to give a speech in the locker room, it usually means you're getting your, your tail beat. You know what I mean? So, like, to me, leadership is, like, who's the first guy in the building, the last guy to leave? Who does everything right? You know, you know. I said I wasn't going to signal people out, but I will say, like, you know, who's a great leader in his own way is like Brian Buschini, probably the toughest specialist. And I'll get some text messages from some guy. Brandon McManus is probably going to call me here in an hour after saying this, but one of the toughest specialists I've ever seen. And so when you have guys like that competing at a really high level, it just drives everyone around them. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think I think, um, I think we have some good guys. But Fedoni, um, he just wants to win. And so – you know, like the last week, you had to get all your teammates to – if you got all your teammates to a match and took a picture, you got double points. And trying to get 10 other college students to show up at something at the same time is hard, right? And it seems – what does that mean? Well, I know it means something to the other student-athletes to have people there watching them. But, you know, I think you got 11 people to the, to the beach volleyball match and took a picture. And uh, so he just, he just finds a way to get it done. He likes to win. He's very competitive. Uh, welcome back. I think uh, – not yet – we're in the midst of cooler heads prevailing as we welcome you back to Coffee and I mean, Cream. Maybe you are. I'm not. <laughs> Coffee and Cream in the morning. Shane Schillerberg doing his thing in his little clubhouse back there, probably getting some direction from the great Sasha Durkin. I'm here with Ravi Lula live from the H&H Chevrolet studio. Ronald just lit a match and basically referred to Steph Curry as a Harlem Globetrotter and Matt Rule just continuing to drop chicken nuggets. I, so we watched this press conference together. Mm-hmm. You and I. Yeah. We listened intently. You said something to me that even for you, I felt like, oh my gosh. And I don't mean for you because you're not capable of it. It's just not your style. Okay. You said, sitting just like this, kind of big old barrel <laughs> chest, you said, 
kind of hard not to drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> it is. It is. It really is. It's difficult, right? <laughs> like, and I've tried, I've talked about this, you guys and gals, for since he's been here. Mm-hmm. Since he's been here. There's, I've, I'll, and I'll use different analogies, right? You almost have to check yourself when you hang up the phone or you mm-hmm. get done listening to a press conference and say, man, am I vulnerable or am I just hearing what I want to hear? Did, did he just get over on me? Like, and so sometimes people don't understand what I'm really saying mm-hmm. until you, you're actually in that position. Well, and that's why I think, I, I don't know if we said this on air or off air uh, on Friday when we had Dr. Elza on, but I would, I would love to spend 15, 20, 30 minutes in a room with Matt Rule mm-hmm. because I, I'll, I'll trust my instincts and intuition when I'm sitting down with a person way more than I do on sound clips or a press conference, right? But that being said, having not had that opportunity, he sounds exactly like I want my football coach to sound. That's the thing. And not just a football coach. So not just a football coach. Anybody who I am investing any amount of time, effort, resources, energy, whatever in, I want them to care to the level that he appears to care. And I want them to handle their business the way that at least right now, he is talking about handling his business. Yeah, like that's to me the the thing that is important is and and I you know I really liked the the locker room clip or the the uh, the <laughs> yeah, locker room. What did you say? You're like, oh, I was a little taken aback because it's like that was a strangely honest. Like most football coaches aren't that honest. You know, most of them love the the locker room speeches, right? Most of them, you know, kind of get their juices flowing about it, and it's that's not what he's about. Mm-hmm. He's about and, – and there's so many things that either you've told me or that he said himself that check the boxes of, oh, he's not just saying that. Like we were talking yesterday about – he's like, ah, don't – I mean, you could come on the junior days. Those are fun. Those are cool. But, like, just come see what we're like every day. Like those two things line up to me because when he says, oh, I'm not about the locker room speeches. I'm about who shows up early and who stays late, who's putting the work in, who's, who's working through the process. And then he also says, oh, don't come for the big events. I mean, you can, but I'd rather you see how we just operate on a day-to-day. Like, in my mind, it's like there's a lot of things lining up here that if he's a con man, he's the best there is. <laughs> well, so, he, okay, so there's a lot in there. Let, let's just start with the uh, the style over substance thing. Sure. Okay. Because yeah, yeah. that's really what it's about, yeah. right? Because yeah. I know what fans will say. They'll say, hey, listen, we kind of heard this before. Ah, Matt Rose talking about details. We heard Scott Frost talk about details. I think it's early mm-hmm. and we haven't played games. But the fundamental difference, and Shano, the clip is the one where he's talking about details. Because um, I'm not sure if you sent that to me. But he's talking about uh, the importance of practice. It is guys can be too cool for school. It is. Was it six? I think was too cool for school. No, it is. Um, tell me, uh, play clip fifteen, Shane. Let me see if that's it. You know, I mean, we'll have we'll have a couple you know scrimmage days. You know, I mean, the, the NCAA has rules. I mean, we won't be again. We're not going to be like wanton. We're not going to be dumb. It's just. Um, to me, it's it's all about the, the the quality of the contact. I mean, we're gonna have you know we, we believe in playing with dominant contact, and so 
we'll we'll drill that way, we'll rep that way. You know, I'm not a big like helmet, shoulder pads, no pants guy. Like you know, we'll either be in helmets or we'll be in pads. And um, so to me, I mean, there'll, there'll be live days, there'll be non-live days. I mean, we'll follow all the rules and do all that. But I just think it's the quality of contact, right? Like even when we're thudding. You know, we won't be tagging guys off. I mean, we won't hit them from the side or from the back, but, you know, we won't go to the ground on days we're thudding, but we're going to strike and we're going to, you know, to me, you know, these guys are young. They're getting trained. We're not, they're not getting coached. They're getting trained. You get, you get coached at the next level. Right now they're training themselves on how to block, how to tackle, how to get off blocks, and so we have to train that. And the only way to do that is um, do it repetitively. So I think it'll be physical, but it won't be, you know, it won't be, you know, caveman-like. I mean, we're not going to go out there and just – have a bloodbath. We're going to be smart. So we do. The greatest gift I can give our players is health, and so I want to keep them healthy, but I also want to turn them into the best player they can be. That's the difference between talking about specifics in detail and being specific in detail. Do you remember when he was talking real time, and I was sitting next to you? Mm-hmm. What do you remember the part in that clip where I, where I was like, "That's what I'm talking about." Ooh, uh, no, which one was it? Tackling. Oh, Ver- yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, the, the behind and the sides. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very specific. Yes. What do I harp on every Saturday and Sunday when I see it live is those guys aren't tackling enough because they don't know how to tackle. Mm-hmm. I can't stand the coming in high and coming in from the side and dropping your weight down. We call it an anchor anchor tackle because you're anchoring down Mm -hmm. it is a piss poor way to tackle and you should not be taught like that he was very specific Uh, we have he and i he just knows Mm -hmm. listen i'm not talking about coming high or coming in from the side i'm talking about doing this this and this when we tackle it has to be repetitive Mm -hmm. because if it's repetitive you can you can do it over and over and over again because not only is it muscle memory you learn to get in position yes and if you're in position the chances that you're going to do it right dramatically higher air down that's so what you're talking about it does so it doesn't seem and I'll hang on yeah, yeah. so it doesn't seem like much when he says it right Right, it's just especially if you're not really paying attention. If you're, if you're, yeah, if you're not really paying attention, it seems kind of innocuous. You know, it seems like he just kind of rambles a little bit sometimes. Listen, but that clip was so good. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me because that's that's what I, and it's not because oh man, DB, it's just because he agrees with you. No, I think fundamentally, if you ask ninety-eight percent of coaches out there, that's how they would teach it. Yeah, that's what they would say. That's the verbiage that they would use. And you're like, ah, well, no kidding. Well, if it's so easy when he says it and now we're vibing, why does no one else say it? Why has no one else spoke like that to us in 20 years? Well, more importantly than why didn't they say it, it's why didn't they do it, right? Because whatever you say doesn't really matter. And that's what we're still waiting on on rule is to see if he actually does it, right? But here's the thing that I will... That clip was so good. Here's what I'll differentiate between that clip especially and what we've heard throughout the years with other coaches, right? They'll be like, yep, we want to be detail-oriented. We want to be process-oriented. But that's as deep as they go, right? Can you remember another head coach over the last 20 years digging into specifics that way? No, like because we're using it like showing up on time. 
having a conversation without yeah. looking at your phone. He's like, hey, we're going to hold people accountable. And then he tells you how he's yeah. going to hold you accountable. That's not something we've gotten before. They're just like, yeah, we want to build culture. And then it's like, okay, cool. What's that mean? They're like, yep, we're going to build culture. I'm telling you, man, when he says culture, I don't roll my eyes because I know how important it is. And we're going to get into that over and, and over. And he tells again. you how he's going to do it. Coming up from Hale Varsity, our very own Brandon Vogel, up next. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. From Hale Varsity, B. Vogue's editor, which comes with a lot of ooh, <laughs> pressure. Brandon, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm good. Hey, right off the bat, I want you to listen to a clip. We're going to play one for you from yesterday. Shane? Hit the button. Yeah, that's really for the mat drill. You know, um, what, what we want is we want them to have elite feedback every day. Like, it, I mean, it takes about two hours for the staff. And we watch we, we, we watch every single rep of the mat drill, and we grade guys, and we, that, they're getting feedback, right? Like, to me, when you uh, – people say power corrupts. Uh, you know, I've always felt like powerless corrupts. When you're powerless to change your situation, when you feel like, hey, no matter what I do, I'm just going to always be this. So um, – there's going to be transparency and there's going to be honesty. It's going to be very, very direct. Um, I've learned over the years, like, you can be direct without, you know, attacking somebody. So this is one way. It's you have a great day, you're in a black jersey. You don't have a great day, you're in a red jersey. It's been fun for me, this being my fourth head coaching job, seeing guys on social media from here, talking to guys from Baylor, talking to guys from Temple, and, you know, them all talking, talking to guys from Western Carolina about the mat drills, about putting pushing prowlers and all that. So that part's been fun because there's this common experience of, hey, this is hard to go through, but they get, you know, they get feedback every day. And, um, again, if you make things with these guys, if I say, hey, let's go run 10 40-yard dashes, they'll do it. They might not like it. But if I say, hey, let's see who the fastest is, they'll run 50 of them to keep trying to prove who's the – so if we make it competition and that's what the jerseys do, then uh, they'll compete at it and they'll fight for it. Brandon, I'll get you started off with this. Uh, We've heard Matt Rule talk a lot over the offseason since he's been hired. How much of of our buy-in to him, and I'll admit I'm, I'm drinking Kool-Aid as much as anybody at this point, <laughs> how much of it is that he actually does sound different and how much of it is we're just so desperate for him to be different? Mm. <sighs> Good question. Um, <clears throat> uh, let me think. I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I have no reason to disbelieve anything that he's been saying at this point, but mm-hmm. I also just come in knowing that first spring under a new staff is, is Kool-Aid chugging time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll say it's probably 60% different. And I think the difference that I've noticed with him is the level of detail he'll go in with with some of these items. Um, it's not just we're going to hold guys accountable in that clip we just listened to. It's like, well, here's like four ways that I'm going to mention in these 45 seconds or whatever it was mm-hmm. that I'm actually doing. That. Yep. And the fact that, you know, got word that there was probably a press conference coming up on Monday, middle of last week with a couple of players. When it came out on Friday that those two players were, were Thomas Fedoni at cheap borders. Um, no one would have picked or, that. No one. No really piqued my interest. And then we got the note about why those guys are there. Uh, So Matt rule, since the very first press conference he had has been talking about competition 
first time we get to talk to players in kind of this official capacity, it's two guys who have excelled in that piece of it. So you're seeing a little bit of backup of everything that he said to this point, um, which does stand out to me as a little bit of a a difference um, from from past past coaching staffs. Uh, maybe it's just my K eight certified background with the old emphasis in special ed, mild to moderate to be specific. But my man drops Socratic methods. He's talking <laughs> about powerless corrupts. When he, when he says things like that, and then I can see the practical application, what you guys are talking about, mm-hmm. how he gives you examples of what those words mean, don't you just get the sense that they're actually modeling the behavior? Right? I know they're competing in the drills. I know that they're super gun-ho. But you just get the sense that they know that they're being watched and that's important to them when they invite you in their house. I, I, I think so. Um, you know, <laughs> I too uh, laughed yesterday live when he when he brought out the Socratic method. It was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, the power the powerless quote also kind of stuck out to me, and I think he did a good job of outlining why he why he said what he said. But as I kind of you know, when I was listening to that real time, my reaction was like, okay, that makes sense. Like, you know, one of these things that I think is a challenge for coaching at any level is in particularly once you get to this level, the money's really high, the pressure is extraordinarily high. It becomes hard to, to kind of continually convey like, look guys, I can't want this for you. I want to win. I want to see you guys have success, but you've got to want to have, have that success too. That's the only way we're going to get there. And that's kind of how I read into that comment uh, of his that we that we just listened to. Brandon, Damon and I have been talking about chess versus checkers with Matt Rule a lot and, and how, you know, we're trying to talk ourselves into or just figure out how much of what he does is just, hey, this is how I operate, and how much of it is him thinking two or three steps ahead. In light of – you mentioned Thomas Fedoni and Chief Borders being kind of total wild cards in terms of being the ones to talk yesterday. How much of that do you think is kind of a chess move on his part to say, hey, if you do the things we ask you to do, you're going to get privileges that other people don't get? I, I, I think it was a big piece of it. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was outlined specifically like on fr- last Friday, hey, here's why you're going to hear from these two. Um, definitely felt like like a calculated move and you know it's been an interesting it's been an interesting balance with rule you know because we have gotten to hear from him a good amount considering they haven't even started spring football yet Mm -hmm. um and it's it's i i would describe him i the thing i have has resonated with me is that he does come across as very like plain spoken as like hey guys here's what it is but don't think that the hey, I'm saying this to these guys, the media, us, for a reason, because I know it trickles down. Like, there, there is a strategic element, I think, that he does a good job of disguising a lot of the time, it, whether intentionally or not, but it's there. Like, I don't look at this as, like, it's just, it is what it is. Um, there's always, I think, something a little bit more going on. And, and having been through this process twice in relatively quick succession in rebuilding two different programs i think there's there's a little bit of sticking to the playbook but knowing that the playbook's a little bit different each place you go oh that's interesting so let me 
Okay, uh, so I think understanding, and he tries to outline it in terms of what it looks like, but I think we too often confuse simple with easy. He says some things that seem pretty simple on the surface, Mm -hmm. but don't always appear very easy to execute, even in our own personal lives. How important is that, that he's like giving the actual examples? And because he'll say things like, listen, just simply being on time, Mm -hmm. getting 10 guys to one thing. Um, you, You get this, you hear it, the powerless, corrupting, the getting constant feedback. Uh, what's another? He's got a ton of examples. Um, I, I feel like you know we watch every every rep, every mobility thing that they do. Those seem simple, but they're not easy. Mm-hmm. How how quickly better should we learn that distinction if we want to coexist with this staff? <laughs> yeah, I think it might be kind of the key to key to their their chosen leadership style, like. It's easy to understand the expectations. The expectations themselves are still going to be difficult to hit for for some guys. Um, You know, Chief Borders, a guy who's been on campus for barely two months, uh, it's clearly clicked with him. Like, uh, he's he's understood it to this point. So I think that's always where you're trying to strike that balance between easy and simple. And, you know, that's a really good way to put it, Damon, because they are different, like – the easier it is to understand, I think, the expectation being asked of, of you as a player, um, that helps. The harder those things are to hit, at least at this stage, where you're kind of still starting out under a new staff, that's okay. Like, it's designed to be hard in in that regard. And, and we'll see where we stand, you know, two months from now, kind of when the portal opens back up and Nebraska has closed the book on this spring session. Brandon... We talked to Dr. Elza last week. We've heard from Matt Rule a lot. The vibe that I've gotten from basically everyone associated with the program that I've heard from is that they kind of expect this thing to turn around faster than the last two do. Is that a, 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 a vibe that you've gotten from them as well, or am I maybe just reading too much into positive po- or uh, off-season talk? I, I don't think you're reading too much into it. Um you know, based on what we've heard and just kind of the way that I look at Nebraska football at the moment, like this doesn't have to be the the hard year one that the staff, well, portions of this staff saw at Temple and and Baylor, I don't think. Um, it could be, and, and it's not, you know, a referendum if things end up going that way this fall, but uh, you know, I, I would expect Nebraska's preseason win total to be somewhere close to six, six and a half, um, which, you know, is where it's kind of been for, for much, much of the past three or four seasons. So that says to me that, you know, we know Nebraska had, didn't hit those numbers in, in the recent past. But it kind of says to me that, hey, they kind of look at this team, you know, the Nebraska's talent, you remove the coaching staff talent you know returning production all that stuff that's pretty similar to where it's been for most of the past four or five years and if we look at the the past regime and say well it's pretty clear that nebraska underachieved for for whatever reason um just getting them back to i think hey being as good as you actually can be 
maximizing what this program can be now. I think if that happens, uh, Nebraska fans are going to walk away pretty happy with the 2023 football season because I think that's where Nebraska's true level is at. One of the best in the business. That's Brandon Bogle. B, enjoy the weekend. You too, guys. Thanks. Coming back. We'll start our number two. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. H uh, Studios, um, Hail Varsity Radio. Hopefully you are you are with us on 590 or in YouTube on television. You are. We appreciate the comments and feedback. Once I figure out how to respond, <laughs> I will do that because I don't know if I have the ability to respond. That is usually a Uncle Ruru Rogers thing uh, who will be back tomorrow. But, man, I'm, I'm on this thing, and I, I feel like – Ravi, which is why I'm glad, like, because I know you're not afraid that you can, you'll go deep and you'll give some pushback here. Maybe you won't, but I think sometimes I can be exhausting because I'm a little more philosophical, right? Well, than, yeah, I like, I mean, I like that, but yeah. I, I can be a little more philosophical than like a, a you know, a typical guy that's run, run into a lot of things his whole life. Yeah. But I also know that just doing it that way didn't work for me. Right, like it, there's no long-term sustainability, and I had to figure mm-hmm. out kind of the why, because that's how I, and the versus the what, because that's how I think. He's hitting all the right notes mm-hmm. with me, because I think if we're gonna function as a fan base and in the media, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, we gotta have command over this simple versus easy thing. Mm-hmm. 
Because the the knee-jerk reaction to what he says is no kidding. I'm telling you. I guarantee people are listening and they're like, oh, man. Duh. duh." He just said something in that clip. Go ahead. there, okay? He said, our goal is to get every player ready to be on the field. And you would think off the surface, well, yeah, (laughs) duh, right? But how many coaches have you met that they worry about their starters, maybe their next, like, group of guys, and that's it? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I've been there. Yeah. Like, I, I, I have been that coach who's like, okay, these are my rotation guys. It was basketball, not football. It's like, these are my starters. These are my rotation guys. These guys just don't get in my way. Right? And that's obviously not a good way to operate. And it sounds super obvious. Like, yeah, we should get everybody ready to play. It's like, yeah, but everybody's not going to play. So as a coach, it's really easy to pare down in your mind. It's like, hey, I got about 40 guys I got to pay attention to. Or 50, whatever the number is, right? And... When he goes, our goal is to get every guy on the roster ready to play, that sounds really, really simple, but it's not easy because you've got 100-plus guys on that roster, Mm -hmm. currently 100 scholarship guys on the roster still, basically, in addition to your walk-ons. You know how hard it is to give that level of attention to detail and individualized attention to each one of those guys? That is incredibly hard to do. He said something in the last clip. We watch every single rep or every single stretch or whatever it was that, like, in off-season conditioning and all that. It sounds simple. It's like, yeah, the coaches should be paying attention to what you're doing. You know how hard it is to pay attention to every single rep that every single guy is doing? Dude, it's – and I've said this – I've said this a lot. So if people have heard anything over the last – I don't know however long I've been doing this, since 04, 05 in terms of – Media hits versus full-time versus coaching, right? It's, it's 18 years, mm-hmm. 20 years. And I always say I like to coach my way into having options. I need options. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be married to one particular player because it's a recipe for disaster. You know, I'd rather be caught, or I'll say I'd rather be caught with than without. Yeah. Right? I want to I wanna have options. Well, and how many times in the last however many years has that bit Nebraska, right? And, and it's a lot easier for me to do as a coordinator or – a position coach than it was as a head coach mm-hmm. because head coach it's a little more topical and a little more philosophical it's not as hands-on and you have to really have staff that you trust mm-hmm. that that's their same thing too even because I think what happens is it's multi it's multi-layered it's not just uh good from a coaching standpoint mm-hmm. I want to be able to go to my bench hey listen you know, for as great as Christian Jones is, my outside linebacker mm-hmm. at, at Omaha Westside, he just got another offer from Stanford. There was a stretch this season where he and I had to have some real hard conversations mm-hmm. about upping his level of play and what I needed from him. Otherwise, he wasn't going to play anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he can see how practice is going. Who else is getting ready to play? Those are real conversations. And one of the things I love about 8-Ball, I, I, I call him 8-Ball, um, is he received it. Mm-hmm. He, he needed clear instruction, and he said, Coach, tell me what I need to do. We met a couple of weekends because that's what we do. He came mm-hmm. to one of my little guy's football games, um, and we just – we, we, we talked and to watch his evolution because I asked him to do 15,000 things more than what he was doing at his previous stop. He got to rush the passer for a long time. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're on the weak side, man. Get after the QB. Hey, listen, in this odd front, I know you're closer to a 4-3 
outside linebacker than you are a three-four guy, mm-hmm. be patient because you have a lot of tools. We got to we got to play some coverage. Mm-hmm. Got to take on this puller, weak side run game. I need you here. I it's, but I, he needed to know that I had options. Not everybody is in that deal, but what mm-hmm. it does do for this team, and I think it does for young people. It's it's freeing for the coach. Yeah, I got. Two or three guys I can play. Some guys aren't afforded the luxury, but I still think you have to be willing to go there. Sure. It, it brings me back to Mike Tomlin when he says, well, this guy can't learn, and this guy's too – he doesn't learn. He said, that's not a them problem. That's a coaching problem. So mm-hmm. I think we got to embrace that, which he appear, Coach Rule appears to. Mm-hmm. And the players know they matter. Like, I'm in this deal. I get your attention. Mm-hmm. I matter. Like, so that's it, what so, was- it sounds simple, but it's – it's not as easy to do. So that's what I was going to say when you're talking about Christian Jones, right? You said he, he was able and willing to receive what you told him. Yeah. Why was that? Because you have a relationship yeah. with Christian Jones yeah, exactly. that goes beyond I'm your football coach, right? He knows you care about Christian Jones, the person, yeah. so he is willing to listen to you as Christian Jones, the football player. And that's why everything that, you know, we're talking about football-specific things from the press conference yesterday, but the reason these things work, even if they are hard, because they are, they're really, really hard, especially these conversations. When you have to have conversations, he's talking about Mr. Irrelevant was a starter last year. <laughs> hey, do you think he's had hard conversations with that starter last year? Yeah, yeah. and remember, he's a guy that doesn't love labels because he thinks mm-hmm. sometimes you can adhere to him, mm-hmm. but when he when he says that and that's your title, you probably know. He's already had that conversation with you. Yep. 100%. Yep. And he knows that you've earned it. <laughs> yes. A, he's known that you, he knows that you've earned it. Because yeah. listen, he didn't call Mr. Irrelevant because he thought he was the worst guy on the roster. He had a point system, or basically, that was like, hey, this is Mr. Irrelevant. Right? And, but you're allowed to have those conversations. You're allowed to have tough conversations yeah. when you've put in the equity. You've earned the equity of the relationship. Otherwise, none of it works. You can't have hard conversations with somebody that they don't know 100% that you have their back or you have their best interest, right? If Christian Jones didn't believe 100% that Damon Benning has his best interest at heart, he doesn't receive that conversation well. He's like, well, coach, I was doing good before. Like why are you why are you all up why are you getting on me about this and and my guys know right he I did I hadn't had him for very long and he was kind of new and I'm I'm uh I would with young people mm-hmm. not necessarily adults although I would say one of my love languages is is touch it's top two three I'm a I like hugs like I like to hug my guys mm-hmm. hey man how are you doing yeah he he's I mean Teddy Rezac may beat him to the punch but. <laughs> It's close. So I got three guys, Trevor Spady, Teddy Rezac. It's not huggers? That will give me the first hug of the oh, day. Oh, they'll go after you. Okay, cool. And cool, Christian cool. Jones. Nice. I just just was at the game the other day. Hey, Coach, how you doing? I said, hey, Christian, you know, I needed that love touch. Yeah. I didn't say Christian. I said eight ball. But yeah. I, I, needed, I, I needed that love touch because he, 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 those guys know, you know, Teddy had to move positions. Um, I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. It was not – popular with db right <laughs> but i'm not the head coach so our culture is yeah bam right be a man go along to get along i got your six right i got your back mm-hmm. uh so i was like it's my guy yeah uh, what do you mean he's got to play safety <laughs> uh, 
he's, play, he's playing as well as anybody these first five games. What are you doing to me? Yeah. And, you know, Coach, I'm like, hey, you know, you got to trust me. So I, I, I tell all the, 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 the personal stories to say without the relationships, mm -hmm. guys aren't willing to do what you ask them to do. You can't say to, hey, Javen Wright, this is what I need to do, or Miles Farmer, mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, uh, Grant Taggy, or, hey, listen, you know, Luke, this is a different role for you, right? I, this is what I need you to do with these young guys. And if you don't have this, mm -hmm. what, what's my favorite thing that I love about Coach Mack? One of my favorite things I love about Coach Mack, his ability to – Sometimes I can't always see it. I can see how it manifests itself, but I do have firsthand mm -hmm. accounts, right? I was obviously knowing guys on the team. But, like, I, I use the example of Frederick King, right? Okay. Brenner is hurt. King looks like a dude. Mm -hmm. Probably should be playing more. The, the level of, of rapport that they have, you can go back to the bench playing this role. We're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Arthur Kaluma can get benched. You can come back and do this. You can have a tough stretch with Nimhart. You can have some talks. You can empower Trey Alexander. Like, if you're not having these kinds – if you can't go there yeah. as a coach, that stuff does not work. Hey, the pocket pass is a pocket pass. When he got it – when. I listened to him last year, you know, when, you know, Mitch got it to him and instead of being at, you know, it was thigh high instead of in a shooting pocket, mm -hmm. that stuff, Matt, I was like, wait a minute. Like, that's the kind of attention to detail you're talking about. Even with that highly skilled a team, this was a couple years ago with Mitch, but I just remember when he said it yeah. about wanting pocket passes where they are and how they rep it over and over and over in practice where that pass is supposed to be. Sounds simple. Not easy. Not easy. Well, let me give you let me give a real world example for you know the adults out there you know that aren't maybe they aren't coaching or they haven't been on a team in a long time uh, of that simple versus easy is when I was mid twenties basically I took this financial class right basically the main takeaway from the financial class was make a budget but. And that's the simplest thing you can do when you're working with your personal money, right? Make a budget. But it was like, oh, if I make a budget, I know where all my money goes. Instead of just ending up at the end of the month being like, where'd all my money go? Yeah. Simplest thing in the world, <laughs> making a budget and sticking to it, not easy always, right? Yeah. And listen, there's other things the guy said that I'm like, man, I don't necessarily agree with or whatever. But the, the, honestly, the big takeaway was like, hey, make a budget. You know where your money goes. And just kind of light bulb goes off, and you're like, people pay him for this information, but it's the simplest thing. It's the, I mean, it's like the, it's the, it's it's gra it's building block number one with finances. Yes, start with a budget, but that's a thing that people need to be told sometimes because if you're just out there on your own, whether you're a football player, whether you're a young professional trying to figure out your money, whatever it is, sometimes you just need to be told point blank, this is the thing you need to do first, mm -hmm. and then you can go and do the rest of the things. It's almost like giving permission to start. And I know I think for a lot of kids, it's giving them permission to try. There's a clip that I think we're going to play later about the too cool for school. Shane? Do we have that, Shane? Yeah, we, we have that clip. That is clip number too cool for school. This is fantastic. Shane, play clip six, please. These guys are really, really competitive. So, like, I mean, I think, I think if you talk to the other athletes on campus – I mean, I think we had like, I showed up to a tennis match. I think we had like 30 football players at a tennis match. You know, like, 
so that that's sort of like, hey, we can do things to earn points. You know, sometimes some guys can be too cool for school. These guys weren't. They wanted to do this. And, um, you know, I did a similar thing, and Christian McCaffrey was fight, scratch, and clawing to win. So, it's you know, good players like to win. That, I've just learned that over the years. And so these guys – but I think it's it's guys like Thomas, like, you know, they Fedoni. It's guys like, uh, you know, Chief and all those guys. They, they really drove this thing. And, um, you know, we had to replace a captain or two because they weren't quite doing everything right. You know, this, this was good for our team to, to realize that – um, when who you say you are is the same as who you actually are, what you actually do, you know, you're living a pretty good life. And when you're not, people get exposed. So it's been fun. But it, it was pretty quick, to be quite honest. So what I wanted to get to <laughs> on that one. Sometimes some guys can be too cool for school. These guys weren't. They wanted to do this. Like, sometimes with young people and sometimes with adults, I was like this. I, I had to go to therapy. Like, that you just did, Right. Sometimes you need per- been there. Sometimes you need permission to care mm-hmm. and you need permission to try hard. Because if you do those things, and this is where I this is what I learned was if I try my hardest and fail, then I have to take responsibility for what happened. If I don't try my hardest, I can always blame someone else. Mm-hmm. I can always blame, "Oh, the coach had it out for me." Yeah. You can always say, "Oh, well I never got the the playing time that I should have, I would have balled out, right? If you try your hardest and you don't get on the field or you try your hardest and you don't perform the way you want to, then you have to start taking accountability for your actions. And that gets a little scary for everyone, right? Not just kids, for everyone. Zero question. You ever ever been around those people, and you see it in athletics a lot, they don't want the expectations that come with results. Yeah. So they underachieve yeah they dog it they don't want to be held accountable yes and then you'll see flashes of it right and you'll be like oh where's that right do, do you do, do you know why i think people do that it's because they always have room for an excuse yes if they don't do it the whole time and if they and if they do it the whole time or they give full effort the whole time it's on them mm-hmm. whatever happens is on them if they if you don't try hard and this it seems counterintuitive right if they're not trying hard or they're not giving their all in the back of their mind, they already have the built-in excuses. Because what it comes down to, and we don't like to say this out loud, <laughs> this is be good. they're afraid. Yeah, They're afraid of what – because they've been the most talented player on every team they've ever been, right? They're afraid of what it means if they're trying their hardest and they're not good enough. Because they don't equate it to – and we t- you talked about this with, with Xavier Betts a lot. A lot of times you don't equate oh, By it, the way – a lot of times they don't equate it to, oh, I'm not good enough at football. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of things, the only thing they've ever been valued for in their life is football. They equate it to, I'm not good enough as a person. Mm-hmm. And so you build the relationship with them that Matt Rule does or that the coaching staff does or that you do with your guys. And you, you give them value as a person first. So it gives them permission to try hard enough to be okay with failure. Hey, and so, you know what's interesting about that? Let me double down. How about the guys that have been replaced? Yeah, the captains he's talking about that got replaced? So, yeah. they're either, it's either, as my barber likes to say, it's either barbecue or mildew. <laughs> you're going <laughs> to eat good or you're going to rot and stink, right? He's, yeah. You know, he'll always say, you know, he'll, he'll cut in Caleb's hair. It'll be a tough game or something. He's like, hey, man, you know, barbecue or mildew. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, it's a weird analogy. But mm-hmm. I think that's like a natural life uh, sifter. Mm-hmm. 
right, where you like shake it up and you, and you, you see, see what, what you're happens. left with. Yeah, because you know I I know people wonder, and I he has players. Just had this conversation with two of them last week. Is it always going to be like this? Mm-hmm. Is it always going to be like this? And I said, listen, I don't know the staff that well yet, mm-hmm. but I'm just telling you. After a while, it becomes a way of life. Yeah. And, and frankly, if anything, the standard probably gets higher. Yeah. As you have success, the you standard know, gets higher. Because <laughs> if you've had those, Shane, you have, you have those bosses. Or maybe education is a better example because I've been in, the, in these situations too where people make things tough initially. Mm-hmm. And they, they see what... Yeah, what's the phrase? It's, it's coaches easy. do it all the time. It's easier to lighten up than tighten up. Yeah. Like, you can't start laissez-faire and then, like, crack the whip. Like, but it's real easy to, like, bear down first and then ease up later. So, is it, I, so I think... Go ahead. Is it almost a milita- military oh, I think a lot of, of I think that's a lot of it. And I think some people are going to hear that as being like, oh, he's trying to run guys off. And I don't think that's what it is. I think he's trying to see who's about what they're about. Hey. He said it. And that's a different thing than running guys he off. He said right? it. When you, say, when you are who you say you are, it's just easy. Try, take it from a guy that lied for five years trying to cover up his personal life. It's so much more freeing to just ugh. way easier. Here I am. And it's, it's, it, it lifts a burden. And, and it, which is one of those things, you know, it's like, I, I just, I'm never just going, I'm never going back there again. No, because once you stop doing the thing that makes it your life difficult. Way, yeah. It becomes a way of life. Even if at first, even if the cleansing process is painful. Oh, it sucked. Your life becomes so much better. Zero question. Again, simple, not easy. So <laughs> I like the way you landed the plane. You see coaches do this where. And teachers sometimes do it. Like, you get that syllabus, and you're mm-hmm. like, O-M-G-Z, off the heezy. You're like, like how am I going to survive this? You know, and then after three weeks, it's like, oh, man, it wasn't like that. But you look around, like, seven people have dropped the class. Yeah. It's twofold. Yes, that can happen. But what ha- what really happens is you, you know what it feels like if you're going backwards. Mm-hmm. You're like, so if he's like this the first year or two, it's going to be almost impossible to go back, especially once you start getting your guys that you recruited and not so much inherited, yes. even though they're all his guys. Yeah. It just becomes a way to do business. Because full disclosure, and a lot of my guys are like this, um, you know, they would pick an era other than college to go back to. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? Because you had to be on every day. Yeah. Being on and that's not for everybody. No, and being on every day almost got a lot of guys to quit. Exhausting. Point, got got guys to contemplate quitting at one time or another in their careers. But if you don't, every quit. every good player I know that I can think of at one point or another wanted to go home. But then you get to this point, yeah, where it's like this is all we know. And it's weird because for a guy that fought it for so long that wanted to quit, you're around me enough to know I, there's only one way I can operate. Yeah. We're, we're competing to get better or we can't be around each other. 100%. <laughs> like, so let me, you have got, you've got to put, you've got to fight life back. I know we're up against it here, but let you me got ask another open segment. 
Let me ask you this, and maybe we take this into the open segment. Uh, save it, we'll, and we'll go okay. to break. Sa- save that okay. question. Because I got we'll a question go- <laughs> for you, and I, I think we're going to bring it a little back more to football. We're pretty philosophical there. But I just think it all matters, it right? Does. Because when you're looking it's at— It's the groundwork. Yeah, and, and look at what we're seeing with basketball. Yeah. W- what is Coach Bull after in baseball? What has Mac achieved in basketball? Mm-hmm. The culture is self-sustaining because it's it's been put in place. Yes. This basketball team in, in Lincoln is not functioning. Especially with Coach Mack, because if he recruits you, you already know what it's about, right? <laughs> it's not new. It's not new there. That's just what yeah. they do. Yeah, I, I, I'm in complete agreement. Hold that thought. I can't wait to hear this. I think I have a question you're going to like. Uh, Shano, we got one more open segment, right? Yeah. All right. I wanted to. Tack- I'll allow it. I wanted to tackle quarterbacks and the free agent price tag, but we'll see where we go. We'll get we there go. eventually. Man, lots happening. That's Ravi Lula. I'm ODB. Uh, we're at the H and H Chevrolet Studios. It's Hill Varsity Radio, as good as it gets. Hopefully, you're either on YouTube or 590. Uh, pretty soon, we'll be on KFOR. Just wait a couple minutes in Lincoln. We got you. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and there were some things along the way in the other competition. The other competition is a little bit kind of a lead into this, and this is this is everything. So, you know, guys, um, the first time around, some guys pick their team based upon their position group, staying loyal or their friends, and they learn pretty quickly. Like, I better have a big guy. better have some fast guys. I better have some guys who are on time all the time. Hey, you're my boy, but you don't seem to get, get anywhere on time, so I'm not picking you. So um, I won't tell you who Mr. Irrelevant was, but, you know, it was it was a guy who started here last year. So it was pretty important that those guys – or one of the last guys. It's important that, you know, guys start to realize, like, hey, if, if my physical ability can match my accountability and that can be joined with availability, then I can be a pretty good player. And so, you know, we always want to talk about people's physical ability or their recruiting or their production. Um, that's great, but – Tell me how accountable they are, and then tell me how available they are, and I'll tell you if they're a good player. So it's a fun time for me. So it's, it's, it's uh, as we welcome you back, <laughs> coffee and cream in the morning, my man Ravi Lula, la, 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 la. that's two L's, at R-A, Lula. Um, Sadie told me that you had never lost a basketball argument in your life. I told him I was going to hang in there. We got off to a little bit of a rocky start. Oh, I was having a we good time. We agreed. We we blamed apostrophe. No, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what you get. Two guys that trust one another uh, and genuinely enjoy being around one another so we can have these kinds of conversations, and it's fine. And then we kind of like this guy, too. Oh, yeah. We love Shane. Shane, Shane Schillerberg. Andrew, hopefully we're, we're hoping he's on the man. He's texting and kind of tweeting. So that's I a think good sign. He, so I think he feels good. He's he's among the living. That's, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So so we're good there. So uh, life life is good. Uh, state state finals start tomorrow in Lincoln. We will touch more on that tomorrow as we get a preview. We are we are like knee deep in why good programs win, and mm-hmm. what are some telltale signs and the practical application of it. And what's the difference between simple yeah. and easy? Because there's clearly a difference. There is, for sure. And so I, I had a question for you. Okay. We were talking about, you know, we were, we were waxing poetic about the simple versus easy and, and the things that, 
that Coach Rule is preaching and, and appears to be practicing in the offseason here and how that's getting certain guys to buy in. And we heard it in that clip, right? They go from choosing their buddies or choosing their <laughs> yeah. choosing their position groups yeah. to, hey, man, you're not on time a lot. i got to go a different direction here. That's that player-led accountability you were talking about, right? It changes pretty quick when you end up hanging an L because your buddy can't show up on time. Like, you, you start being real accountable in a hurry, and if not, he's not on your team again, right? So here's my question. How quickly in your mind, having been there as a player, been there as a coach, how quickly in your mind do the wins have to come in order for this to be sustainable? Um, Is that a fair question? Yeah, that's an extremely difficult question because here's the deal. Um Let's see if I can land the plane here. It's a good question. Because at some point, the wins have yeah, to come do. for they it do. to last. They do. They right? do. So here's what we got to figure out first. Is if I call it proof of concept. When does proof of concept have to happen? So if, man, have you been here before? <laughs> <laughs> so this is what I was going to say. Yeah. If you're falling in love with the process and it's about the process, mm-hmm. that's not going to waver. Right. Because it can be independent of the outcome. Okay. If you haven't learned to not connect the outcome with the, with process, the process, okay, it better happen quickly. So that's a T.O. thing, right? That goes all the way back to T.O. Yeah. Another good point. Right. I will let you elaborate because well, so, I think I know where you're going Well, that's with this. just the thing. that, And so obviously you were much more connected to that situation than I was. But... <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Damon played football at Nebraska in the 90s. I did not. Um, but You were a fan, though. We've learned that that's about the same thing. Well, I mean, you know, we do, we do all say we when it comes to Nebraska. <laughs> I right? like it. I like it. One so thing. that's the thing that you would hear Coach Osborne talk about or, or his players talk about about him was didn't really focus too much on the wins and losses because we believed – full-heartedly that if we did what we were supposed to on Sunday through Friday, Saturdays took care of themselves, mm-hmm. right? Total. Uh, Is that, that a fair summation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think at that time, what did we – he had a lot of nicknames. Yeah. Um, we weren't really using Yoda back then. He was kind of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay. With the mind Kind tricks. of Jedi mind tricking you? Yeah, because for for he said and he would always say, I believe if we do the right thing for a long enough period of time, the winds will come. And if they don't, we'll sort that out real time. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you you're telling me and we trust you that if we do this, 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 this and this, this will put us in position to be successful. Mm-hmm. And he would say, yep, I'm telling you that. And I we'd say, oh, okay, cool. We got you. Right, because there were these. Um, so here's my question, though. With with that, right? He's telling you that the wins will take care of themselves, mm-hmm. and and for your guys' teams, obviously they did. What happens if they struggle early? early. Like I know, I know you said you have to disconnect them, but at the same time, you are yeah. Kind they of go zero and two with Minnesota and Colorado. You're going to have to reevaluate the process, right? But. It, you're not reevaluating in terms of scrapping it. You're reevaluating in terms of 
where are we real time? Is this about, because it always has to go back to, this is the whole key. Mm -hmm. It always has to go back to the methodology. So, hey, when I talk about this, this, and this, Mm -hmm. and we lost by four to Minnesota, another one loss, one score one loss, score yeah, loss. Yeah. and uh, we didn't get over the hump against Colorado, another one-score loss. So there has to be this practical application that the players can see that you walk them back through the process mm-hmm. to revalidate the process. So let me ask this. If the wins, let's say they go 0-2. And you're, heaven you're, forbid. You're, yeah, have, knock on wood, let's pray that doesn't happen, whatever. But let's say they do. How much of keeping guys bought in on the process – is Coach Rule and staff taking accountability it's, on it's, their it's, end? It's one hundred percent them, right? One hundred percent. That's that's the only way you can reevaluate that's the what, process, it's, it's, right? Yeah, because they're your leaders. If they say, "Hey, we may not have put you in the best position to win," we're going to do better. What am I a big fan of? Accountability and model behavior, because one leads to the other. Fair. You model the behavior, you get to be accountable. Uh, let's bring in. That's a. That's deep. We probably need a little more time for that. I like that. Yes, indeed. Let's bring in my man, Michigan Lance. Michigan Lance, what's up, buddy? Hey, good morning, fellas. Yeah, we're going there this hey, morning, good. huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are tapping on some things. Uh, I'm going to go there a little bit, too. When you talk about wins and losses and how fast does it have to approach, you know, and, and then you bring in T.O. Listen, you Everybody has to stop breaking up time at this point. Osborne has never been in this situation that Matt Rule is in. I understand it's, you bring him up because he's the one that the last coach that had the most recent success in the program. But you have to go back to somebody that's not even on this earth anymore, and that's um, Bob Devaney. When he took over a losing program and had to build a winner, yeah. Tom Osborne didn't have to do that. So that does not correlate to what's going on right now. I don't want to speak so- I don't want to speak for Ravi. I think he used TO because there are some similarities in terms of being process oriented. Yes. Uh, right, but we but what we don't know is what would his process have been if he took it over Kansas State like Bob's like Bill Snyder or at the time Bob Devane. You know what I mean? Like it it's different, man. And DB you know it's different because You've been as a coach, losing team and built for the winner. Yeah, they're, they're just different. Yeah, and so when you talk about wins and losses, it's going at you, Robbie. A lot of people always bring up Tom Osborne, the current thing that's going on in Nebraska football, and so um, wins and losses, right? My thing is, especially when he's taking over year two, like year one. Listen. Really, can't if he has a winning season enough, and you because it's a lot you have to do, and you got a weed out kid. It's completely the weed out players. People say it, but it's okay. Some people got to go. Addition by subtraction, that's the real thing. And so, he's building a program. So, year one, hey man, do what you got to do to get your kids to compete and go hard four quarters to get them doing what you want to do or what you guys talked about Sunday through Friday. Right. Yeah. So then, year two, and we better start seeing some, uh, some results real quick. Winning season, bowl game, like, getting towards that mark uh, to build that Uh-oh. consistent we win. Awesome. We'll come back to that. Oh. Come back. Take a quick break. 
Uh, we got we got to move on, kinda. But coffee and cream, we're not going anywhere. Back <laughs> after this. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Coffee and cream. Doing what we do. We we had a lot of uh, folks aren't enamored with Michigan Lance early on. Hey, listen, I, I'm going to defend both, and I'm not. This isn't an Olive Branch guy. I don't think that you were appointing T.O. because you have some weird affinity with Coach Osborne. I think you understand it's all relative. He couldn't get yeah. over the hump against a couple of good teams. You know, back people. like late nineties or or late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. And yeah. remember, early on, he got his tail kicked by Barry Switzer. Too. Yeah, in Oklahoma. Yeah, so so he uh, went through some changes in his process a couple times yeah. to get where he wanted. And to be. Uh, so that like the process matters, but I do also understand Michigan Lance's point because You're starting in way different places in terms of resurrecting a program. Yeah. I think there's much more pressure on Coach Rule than there had. My opinion. This may be a hot take. You can laugh me off my own show if you want to. Um, it'd be a lot easier once Andrew comes back because at least <laughs> he can represent the other half. But I think Coach Rule has it tougher than Coach Frost. Even though even though Coach Frost was the cho- chosen, anointed one, I think Coach Rule has a much tougher grade because he's off to a much better tangible start sure and he comes with more pedigree so i think that i i I don't disagree but i think it's because of how badly people wanted coach frost to succeed they were willing to make excuses and remember we're we're a little tougher graders now yeah because (laughs) like we're a little more it's like more cynical yeah it's like it's it's like the better cooking skillet right we're a little more seasoned (laughs) well yeah (laughs) we've seen some things now right so I, i just I think it's a little more ta- daunting. We don't have Joel yet, Shano? Uh, trying to track him down. That's all right. He may still be asleep. That's all right. It's early for some people. I understand that. No, I get it. A lot too. of those beat writers, they, they keep weird hours. I get and that. And he's an NBA guy, so he's probably watching He's probably television. staying up late, yeah. yeah. So let, let me transition real quick to the NFL and quarterback play. And uh, We were talking off air way back this morning. It was still dark out. <laughs> And I was kind of – I wasn't making fun of Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys for franchising Pollard because I think the – I think we thought that they may franchise Pollard. Yeah. I just wouldn't franchise Pollard. But if you're going to cut Zeke, I get it. Um, but remember, Pollard is coming off the injury mm-hmm. with another terrible tackle because guys didn't get their head in front and – also, he's a running back, which you can kind of just find. Uh, uh, wash your mouth out, Robbie Lula. <laughs> running backs matter. <laughs> we Everybody matters. Who would you start out with Friday when you said such and such matters? All diet soda matters. Yeah, all diet soda matters, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. And running backs matter, too. No, I love a good running back, but Dallas is operating like it's the 90s. Here we go. Everybody hates the 90s. No, listen, the 90s are great, but like a running back in the 90s was more important or harder to – get the production you needed out of without a guy than it is now. We've seen teams over and over again kind of piece it together and find guys that are either on a discount or maybe they're undervalued coming out of college or their last team didn't want to pay them, so they're looking for a new landing spot. Like, so I, I, 
I think that they've put a, a weird emphasis in Dallas on running backs money wise. There's a ton of quarterback or there's a ton of running backs I think that you could get in this draft. Yes, right. right. That's what I mean. Like so whether I had a franchise Pollard or not, I don't know. I think the big news and there's a lot of it, mm-hmm. Carr inks the deal in New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. I I'm going to love to see the books. Uh, because unlike <laughs> Daniel Schneider, Nor- the New Orleans Saints will have to open up the books. How they pulled that deal off is pretty good fit, though. I think, right? Amazing. Like I, I don't know how the money's going to work. Um, amazing, because the uh, NFL salary cap cap feels like all smoke and mirrors. Well, it's it's very so. That's why I like Veach and those guys in Kansas City. I think knowing numbers matters. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And and. And those that are really, really good at it. And the Saints have been in a bad fiscal spot for a while. while. Yeah, yeah. But I think he automatically becomes the best quarterback in the NFC South. And you can make the case outside of Rodgers and Stafford and maybe Cousins. You love you some Kirk Cousins. I do, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I mean, okay, so let's take a look at the quarterbacks in the NFC, right? You got Hurts, you got Cousins. Yeah, how do you feel? Where you, you put Hurts in that list, dude? I'm I'm all in on Jalen Hurts. Okay, I was the minute he was drafted because he's a winner. Yeah, I liked him at Oklahoma a lot. Well, he's, I liked him at Bama. He's, I got he's, a lot better at Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm Team Hurts because I know if it got hectic for me, I'm calling that guy. Yeah, Jalen, I need a I need I need to win. So you're a game. putting Hurts above Carr. Boy, that's tough. Carr is really productive. Shane knows this. I have been a Derek Carr defender forever. Okay. But I've also defended Cousins. And I think they're both they both were in similar situations. I think that's fair. Give either one of those quarterbacks a top 12 to 15 defense. Okay. And we're not only talking about them in terms of Top 12, 13 quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We're talking about them in terms of, oh, man, they're pretty good. Like serious playoff run type guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. So the, I'll give you Rodgers. Okay. Just, just from a respect standpoint, let's go Rodgers, Hurts, Cousins, Stafford. That's five. Right. So let's put Carr fifth. Right? Six. Rodgers, Hurts. Cousins, Cousins, Stafford. Stafford. Okay, so, yeah, Carr's fifth. You're not taking. Give me another one that I may be missing. Mm, okay, you don't like, because you don't like Dak? Dak? I'll get, uh, so I'll, I'll entertain that. Because Dak and, and Cousins, I think, are very similar. And I've defended Dak yeah. in the past. I listen, I don't think he's perfect, but I think they're very similar. I, if I you're taking this Cousins. Is, this, is, this is what I always ask people. Yeah. Go back and compare Josh Allen to Dak Prescott statistically. Yeah, no, Josh Allen's one, overrated. One is a lot more heavily scrutinized than the other. Josh Allen, they're very similar. Super overrated so right now. I'll tell you how much he turns over the ball. So Dak and Derek Carr, in my opinion, are are the, about the same. I think Dak, Derek Carr, and Cousins are all in that neighborhood. Okay. So let's say um, you, so you're not taking Fields. No, that's interesting. By the way, I would not have put Dak and Carr. Are, are you taking are really? You gonna, yeah. I would put Dak ahead of Carr. Taking Andrew Jones or uh, Daniel Jones because uh, he got paid, or he's about to. It he's seems. About, yeah, I think he'll is get it paid. getting done. But with that, so where you at on Kyler? Before uh, I'm still waiting to see approach. Okay, that's fair. You're not a golf guy. 
Golf he, had, be- he had a nice season. Golf better than the critics. What you're describing when you said golf, and who was the first guy you just asked me about? Kyler? No, right before that. Daniel Jones? Fit. Mm, yeah. See, Dable, Jones. Oh, yeah, I could get behind. What about another guy got paid, Gino? Okay, so what's Not that deal? Size. So f- 52 mil. It's a 52 guaranteed. It's like a, so it's the fake number is 103. Was it 3103? It five, it's 5103. 3103. Uh, that's fine. He earned And it. only 52 is guaranteed, so it's like 17 and a half a year. So Gino is in the next tier behind. So tier two in the NFC. Yeah. So that, the quarterback playing in the NFC, not awesome. No, that's my point. So the Saints play good defense. They'll get a hopefully non-disgruntled, healthy Michael Thomas back. You still have Kamara. Because um, you're not putting, I mean, if, you're take, if you move Carr back to the AFC, he's further down on the list, right? He's, he's, the, he's the worst quarterback in his division. Is he worse than Russell Wilson? Depends on if that was the real Russell Wilson last year. Resume-wise, Definitely yes. worse. Yeah. But current ability, I don't know. Well, I don't know. We'll have so, to see a year with Sean Payton first. Yeah, because, and we'll see how this happens. Because I said this about Quinn uh, when Dallas got him two years ago. I said he was the best offseason acquisition in the NFL. Mm, okay. Will I say the same thing about Sean Payton? I have to wait and see what happens after NFL free agency. A random quarterback question here. Where's Trevor Lawrence falling for you right Trevor now? Trevor Lawrence, I, but I liked him from the jump. So I did too, but so, he, he started showing last year, so, right? So um, Trevor Lawrence, if I had to do the draft all over again, I would draft him as a franchise quarterback all over again. Okay, let me, let me ask you this question. And Jacksonville's on the uptick. I agree. I really like Trevor Lawrence. I always have. I may take Trevor Lawrence over Herbert. That's what I was just going to ask. Was it? I was literally just going to ask. Okay, you have to draft. You, you're, it's a, you're an expansion <laughs> team. You get a supplemental draft. Yeah. Your quarterback choices are Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. I'd probably take Lawrence. I do, too. I think Herbert's like a little overrated. I do. So, Herbert is the whole – who was the analogy I gave yesterday where you can't just quite get to what people think of him even though it's not oh, – I wouldn't call him overrated. That's fair. Um, I, I gave it the Marlon Lucky reference. Yes, yeah, I can't remember who you were talking about yesterday. But the expectations of what he could be – Yeah, you just can't – he just can't get to. You get graded on a curve. You just can't get to what, like, I think people felt about Trevor Lawrence. But he's a winner. Yeah, he's won everywhere. So I and I think he's ultimately going to win. And the tool, it's not just that he's the he's a winner, and he's got like his skill set. Herbert's, Herbert's spectacular. Yes, but physically, reason, Herbert's got everything. The reason that I think he's overrated is number one. Shoot, I mean Herbert and Carr are the same person. Herbert hasn't won a meaningful postseason game yet either. No, he hasn't, and he didn't win really anything meaningful at Oregon. They were but, but good. So, do you know what the differentiating thing is? What's that? I would listen to any NFL experts that wanted to call. Well, Derek Carr doesn't scramble; he takes too many sacks, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. So Herbert can run around a little no, bit. No, it's not cool. Some, <laughs> Herbert can take some shots and yeah, and 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 keep on playing. Because Carr's been healthy for the most part, right? Except for the fractured ankle yep. when he was on a heater. Yes. Like, my man was winning with, like, 7-8 offsuit, multiple hands. He was on a heater. Here's the other thing about Trevor. By the way, we're going to have Joel at 9-30. Oh, cool. Okay, good. Here's the other thing about Trevor Lawrence real quick is, yes, he's a winner. Physically, he's also everything you would want. 
Like yeah, that's a big, nice combination. Big, big, strong can move just enough. I mean, he moves pretty good, dude. I, yeah, God, we gotta take a break, man. <laughs> John Fanta, we gotta talk hoops. I want to come back to quarterbacks. Hopefully, we can make time. It's tough out here, folks. It's coffee and cream in the morning. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Dawes with the dribbles that are off his foot. is loose, picked up by the Musketeers. Desmond Claude, he's being chased. He ducks it. Moore wants to attack, spinning, kicks, Dixon, left corner three. He's got it, a new career high in points as Dixon now has 26 points. And he's made six threes. Oh, my goodness, you got to love it. The Blue Jays are going to New York next week as the three seed. And the preseason favorite to win the Big East will have a chance to make some noise in New York City. We, we turn it over, I think. Oh, that is the Big East at its finest. Welcome back, Coffee and Cream in the morning. Robbie Lula, who loves the Big East. Actually, he loves basketball in general. I do. As I, do. He, I had to untape his hands. I had to get him ready. You know when you get ready to spar, you need your hands <laughs> taped. I had to get Robbie's hands. I had to cut the tape off this morning. He's arguing about the NBA and Steph Curry. He's here to validate college basketball. And now we have the ultimate olive branch guy, the peacemaker, if you will, <laughs> who dominates college basketball and in particular the Big East. John Fanta joins us. John, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Damon, and Peacemaker. Man, I've been a lot of things. I've been a lot of things. I don't know, guys. Even I can't get 2.30 Eastern time Thursday afternoon for those two fan bases that are going to be inside Madison Square, oh, Square yeah. Garden to make peace with each other. There might be some blood. John, you'll appreciate this. At 7 7- Oh nine this morning. I don't know how we got started. We're arguing about the NBA, and I had to give Ravi the starting lineup of Craig Elo, Mark Price, John Hot Rod <laughs> Williams, uh, Brad Doherty. You're just a Cleveland guy. You can't <laughs> come on, man. And, let, and he was thumbing his nose up at the talent. And I said, you know who's going to appreciate that lineup? John Fanta. How about Cleveland that? Cleveland rocks. Cleveland <laughs> rocks. Cleveland rocks. Cleveland rocks. Oh, so John, I mean, you're looking at the seedings. Creighton gets the three. Marquette has terrible odds. Creighton has the second highest <laughs> odds to win the whole thing. I know. Villanova's got to win just to get in the tourney. <laughs> right. Like, what is going on in the Big East? It's crazy, and I do wonder. I think Shaka Smart's probably throw, showing his kids their odds to win this thing. Uh, he's got to, right? Like, <laughs> wouldn't you if you were coaching Mark? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they have been – I'll tell you, they've been disrespected this year. I mean, guys, like, how does a team that went to Mackey Arena early in the year lost by five points – how does a team that beats Baylor by 26? They beat Baylor by 26. <laughs> and then they proceeded to play 20 conference games, and they won 17 of them. I'm not saying they're winning the Big East tournament. But at what point are we going to stop saying, like, I-, I think a lot of people 
their brains are computed to, well, Marquette doesn't win this time of year. Uh, Steve Wojciechowski struggled. Well, Steve Wojciechowski is in the mountains. Uh, you know, Shaka Smart is winning and winning a lot. Um, so I do think that everybody's just, you know, proclaiming the winner of UConn Providence to, to make the final then. Mm-hmm. Watch, watch out. Watch out. Um, th- this tournament is wide open. There's as many as six teams that could win it. I think a lot of people are on the Connecticut bandwagon. I would just say this. You know, they, they went to Villanova and beat them. They have not proven outside of Stores or Hartford that they could win consistently. And so they, they went on a winning streak. We all thought that they would when you looked at the schedule on paper. That wasn't that surprising. So I, I still go back to Creighton. I just think that this team is is made to make a run again in this tournament despite the fact that they don't match up great with Villanova. The funniest thing about Creighton is the first one may be the hardest one to get. Mm. And if they can get it, if they can get it, I think they'll they'll win this thing. Uh, John, I that, wanted, that was your thing. It right? was, yeah. I, I wanted. I would rather have played UConn than I than I would have. I, I set the whole thing up for Ravi because Andrew's been out six. So we go back to Friday, John, and I'll let you go. But I just got to set this so you can get into this. Yeah. I made it was Creighton versus Nebraska, John, and I and Creighton was a minus one and a half game in the win column favorite over Nebraska in their respective conference tourneys. Nebraska now opens with Minnesota. He hates Creighton's draw, so he actually took Nebraska minus the one or plus one and a half games won in the conference tourney. And wow! Primarily because of Nova. He, of, of, of Nova. Nova. Does does that? Can you see that when when Ravi's getting ready to unload here, John? <laughs> can you see it? Um, I, I can see what your thought process is because you have PTSD. I do. <laughs> oh, I do. You totally do. I do. Yeah. hundred percent. have PTSD. I told you I'm you overly are, emotional about you the, No, you're the person. You're the guy who's had that aunt who growing up, you were really scared of going into her house <laughs> because she'd always yell at you. I yeah. had that aunt. She'd yeah. always say, Hey, go, go run a mile. I know. <laughs> I know it sounds offensive, but we've all had we've all had that ant. And then after like fifteen years, you go back into her house, and she's there, and all of a sudden, you're really scared of walking into her house. Yeah, but yeah. but it's okay this time. It's okay this time. She actually she, she got on some meds. And <laughs> she's doing better. That's what you have right now. You're scared. You're scared of Villanova. You have, you have, uh, what is it? Uh, arachnophobia. <laughs> no, I do. Listen, I, I understand the likelihood of Eric Dixon going six of eight from three and dropping a 30 burger on us again is not super likely, um, but I am still concerned about it. Um, I much, and I know it's crazy. I would have rather have played UConn in, in round one, but. I actually wanted to ask you about Marquette first. By the way, nobody wants to play Nebraska the Big Ten tournament. I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to give. I'm you know we 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 live in a world where often we're like tearing tearing people down, criticizing them. If you're going to criticize when they're not good, uh, then you should give some level of credit. I give credit to not you two, but I, you know 
I'm going to give credit to Fred Hoiberg. I mean, I think that they have had an improved season. Good for the Huskers. Mm, for sure. Um, I did want to touch on Marquette before we get uh, into Creighton. Mm-hmm. What did, you know, I thought they were going to be better than their preseason number nine. I was, mm-hmm. I thought middle of the pack, like four through six, somewhere in there. What did we get wrong? Like, what did we miss about Marquette that has led them from going to what the consensus was, even the high-end consensus, to a fairly dominant regular season? Yeah, so so I think there's a couple of things. Number one, Shaka Smart last year when he came into the program, one of his goals was to get very mobile offensively. Mm -hmm. But that takes – some time to process for even the guys that you have that, that you work all summer with. So I think that Oso Iguodaro now knows what he needs to do. And when he's picked that concept up, they've become very difficult to scout because they've got guys who have emerged seemingly out of nowhere, but really just off organic player development. Um, I think Omax Prosper has just gotten better as a player. But more than anything, this comes down to Tyler Kolick playing – with a special type of swagger, 246 assists to just 76 turnovers. I got to tell you, if he played in the Big Ten or the SEC or the ACC, he'd be a first-team All-American, and it wouldn't even be a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more I looked at it, now I actually voted him second team. And two guys that I really respect in this industry were like, yeah, no, no, like, like he's actually probably one of the five best this year. And when you look at the numbers, now some here's here's the difference with Marquette. Here's what I sense with Marquette. I'm sensing that the that the national thought is, well, they're 25 and six, but they're really not uh, the sixth best team in the country. Well, it's really hard to to suggest. So, so what are you saying then? Mm-hmm. Are you saying that the Big East is overrated? If you are, that's fine. If that's your take, okay. Let's see what happens next week. The only way we're going to know that is what by what happens next week, is if these teams show up as higher seeds and win their games. But it comes down to Kolick and Cam Jones. When you have not good guard play, elite guard play, and you have guys that are bought in, Kolick doesn't need to score to impact the game. He just sets Jones up. He sets David Joplin up. He sets Omax Prosper up. And I think, fellas, similar to the PTSD of Villanova, Everybody had PTSD of Marquette. Mm. Can't have faith in them. They can't get it done. Da, 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 da. When it's like, at the end of the day, Marquette got a coach who's been to a Final Four. Mm. Shaka Smart wasn't himself at Texas. I talked with somebody in the industry last night about Texas keeping Rodney Terry as head coach. And you know what the person said to me? person I trust, they said... Texas may not keep him as head coach, despite all the good he's done, because they really enjoy winning the press conference. Mm. See, at Texas, at Texas, <laughs> at Texas, they do things different down there. They do things different down there. Um, at Marquette, Shaka doesn't have to be someone he isn't, and Marquette spends some of the most dollars in basketball of any program in the country. So we, I think, we forget how many resources that they have and now the coach that they have and the fact that they ended last season the way they did with a very bad taste in their mouths and that Smart didn't come in here to be status quo. He came in here to change the narrative at Marquette, and now it has happened. Let me ask you this. 
John, because I think it's interesting. He he plays 36 minutes a game. He makes 46% of his yeah. field goal attempts. He's shoots 42% from three. He's an 87% foul sh- shooter. He's two to one assist to turnover ratio. Should Xavier be better with Sule Boom, or do we undersell Boom in big moments? where we don't fall in love with Xavier? I think where people don't fall in love with Xavier is that they don't have much depth at all. And now with Fremantle out for the year, they really are are a team that it's going to be tough for them to win three games in three days this week. They could do it. Uh, I don't think Boom should be undersold at all. I mean, I think he has a chance to be Kemba Walker at this Big East tournament. Oh, this kid is a – he's not a good scorer. He is a great scorer. And Creighton, Creighton fans kind of shrug because – Yeah, yeah. They've Well, they've, they've matched up quite well. Right? right? Yeah. They've, they've yeah. matched up quite well. I just – I love the kid's game. I think he's got the ability to take it over. He's quick. He's good off the dribble. He's just – he's a killer shooter. I mean, he, he, he will – if he gets into a rhythm, good luck. Start calling timeouts. Um, you know, I, I, I've i been so impressed with him. I, I couldn't believe he wasn't a unanimous All-Big East first-team selection. I mean, he, he's, he was that good for for them this year. I think the other thing is is that Xavier struggles defensively at times. Yeah. And so as a result, and they lost at DePaul and at Butler. So if, they, if you lose to DePaul and Butler this year, I mean – uh, those those two programs could could team up and and probably haul a garbage truck through Chicago this season. I, they, they, neither one of them has been any good. They haven't been consistent. Um, I don't know what to make. I mean, I'm shocked that I, I, I thought I, I thought at least Butler would be better. Mm, yeah, they've been worse. <laughs> they managed to be worse. What happened? I thought that motto would get them in a better direction. I, I got to say, it's disappointing. I don't know. Butler's future here, like, guys, they're, they've fallen back in the Big East now. And mm-hmm. they don't spend money like some of the other programs do. But but here's the thing. Um, when you lose to Butler and DePaul and you don't defend, you subject yourself to getting picked off on a neutral floor. Mm-hmm. So Xavier, as good as Xavier could be, this is kind of the nature of the Big East. As good as they could be is as tough as a day that they could have. And I'm I'm putting the Musketeers on upset alert. Okay. Oh, mm. Typically, when teams put together a nice performance to close the regular season, it's not a fluke. Seton Hall went into Providence and they blew the doors off. That's the a start mm. to finish. Yeah. I think Shaheen Holloway may have something to say in this Big East tournament. Okay. I think his team. I think his team will be ready to play. Their defense is very good. Now they're starting to gain an offensive confidence. It's almost like no Kadari Richmond has kind of forced them to move the ball, mm. if that makes sense. Sometimes when you have oh, a great yeah. player, the ball sticks. And sometimes when, you're, when you have a really good player then out of the equation, it changes the way you play, but it also changes how opponents prepare for you. So mm. look out here. Xavier's on upset alert Thursday night. Mm. All right, John, I got to ask you about Creighton. I know you've been – high on them as of late. You mentioned them earlier as uh, a potential team that could win in New York. Um, yeah. What 
still concerns you about them when you look at that team? What are the red flags? Uh, their shot making is not nearly as good as other Creighton teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it's just not. It, they should have beat Marquette at home. Yeah. But Absolutely. their inability to knock down some open looks was kind of glaring. Now, here's the funny thing about shot making. They could show up this week and just not miss. I mean, yeah. that happens. It happens in these conference tournaments. And they've like, done that this year. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, so it's that, and it's also like, I think you've got a couple of guys, you know, I, I, I think one in particular, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to just point him out. I mean, I think, I think Arthur Kaluma is a really talented player. I also think Arthur Kaluma is thinking about his NBA career. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that leads to some plays that are not college basketball plays. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my sense with Creighton is I think they're a really good team. But they've got to buy into who they are now and just be together. Um, Baylor Shireman hasn't been as great as we probably thought he would be. Yeah. Uh, but remember, there's only one basketball, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think part of it is the system. Part of it is – I'll tell you what. The, the reason why Creighton could win this Big East tournament is that Ryan Nemhard did not get a single all-conference honor. That's insane to me. Mm-hmm. It, that's insane. I mean, it's some really good guard play, though. Yeah. There is. But, but how many times do you watch the conference tournament and in a press conference of coaches, you know, he didn't get honored by the coaches, hey. and you're all seeing, and, you know, that fire. <laughs> the, the, the funny thing is Nemhard is that guy. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. like it's personal. <laughs> Oh, he's taking. Oh, out. there's zero question with his personality. Uh, more, more likely here, John. Rick Pitino comes to the Big East. <laughs> Ed Ed Cooley stays at Providence. Yeah. Or Ed Cooley changes locations, and Rick Pitino comes to the Big East. No, <laughs> I know where you're going with number three. <laughs> Let me be very clear on number three. Okay. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a better chance of me doing a show at the Foxy Lady tonight <laughs> than there is of uh, than there is of Ed Cooley being it, uh, or than there is of Rick Pitino being in Providence. All right. Um, you know, it's, it's what if Rick, what if Rick Pitino lands at let's say St. John. I just don't see it. Uh, so the, the the here's the thing. The funniest thing about it is, um, I'm glad you didn't rule out Ed Cooley changing addresses. Foxy, Thank you. The Foxy Ladies the Club in Providence. I met the Spearmint Wine. There's actually one in Lincoln too. <laughs> oh boy! Not that I would know. No. I heard. Right. I heard. Damon had a so, bit of a miss. No, so, somebody told me. I can, I can only hope Scotty Frost had a stop there. <laughs> Depends on how their um, margaritas are, John. What's that? Depends on how their margaritas are. Oh, wow, you guys. <laughs> exactly. Oh, am I getting you guys in trouble? No. 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 Let's get back to the show. Um, <laughs> let's get back to the show. Here's a, this is a family program. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, kids are in school already. Yeah, we're, we're good. Uh, that's all right. Exactly. Um, so I think that I, – I do. I think that huh, – I think a school should hire Rick Pitino. Uh, I think St. John should hire him. 
But the, the president at St. John's was the president at Providence, and he has a pass mm. with Patino, and it didn't go well. So, guys, I just – I think Patino's probably going to be coaching at either South Florida, maybe Central Florida, like one of these Florida jobs. I, I hate to say it. I think it would be great for the Big East to be coached in the Big East. I think it would be fun. I think it would be interesting. But, you know, the name that I'm, I'm getting here in the last 24 hours um, that, that, that could land at Georgetown, a name to monitor is Micah Shrewsbury. Mm. Um, from Penn State, you know, mm. Penn State. Let's face it; it's it's not a great job. Georgetown would be a level up. It just it, it's one of the it's one of those unique scenarios. Like, there's not many Big East jobs that are a level up from the Big Ten, mm. just by virtue of like football dollars and stuff. But I would say Georgetown's better than Penn State in basketball. I mean, let's let's uh, let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. So keep an eye on that name, St. John's. I don't know. Um, God, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, seriously right now. I mean, I've heard a couple of names, none of which that, that, that say to me, yeah, that's their next coach guys. If you remember, (laughs) and let me tell you, I do remember this very well. St. John's took days and what seemed like weeks in the desert to figure out who they were going to hire the last time. Mm. And then they hired Mike Anderson and a Catholic school in New York (laughs) Decided to hold a press conference to introduce him on Good Friday. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> you should have known then. <laughs> you should have known then. Wow. Is it... I mean, if I'm a St. John's fan, I'm saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. <laughs> Unbelievable uh... that they did. I, I, I still can't fathom. That you introduced your new head coach on the day the Lord passed away. <laughs> well, he's single-handedly one of the best personalities in college basketball. John, let me get you out of here on this with a general basketball question. Robbie and I did a game of, of it was a six-pack of questions, and I, I comboed two teams to go the furthest along the seed lines. Texas and Connecticut as a pair or Creighton and UCLA as a tandem, which two make the most noise in the tournament? Wow. Texas and UConn, UCLA and Creighton. Um, oh man. I'm going to say UCLA and Creighton. Thank we both you. went, we both went with that. That's right. <laughs> That's It's yeah. tough, though. You know what? And you know why? Coaching, experience, and just benefit of the doubt. Um, and I, I, I think I'm picking more than anything. Like, I just love UCLA. <laughs> I like Creighton. I really love UCLA. Yeah. UConn hasn't won a tournament game in several years, mm-hmm. and they've yet to do it under Dan Hurley. So – I thought they were going to break that drought last year against New Mexico State, and then I don't know what. So <laughs> I, I, I watched two hours of, ba- of quote, basketball in Buffalo. <laughs> um, and then the game was over and the season was over, and that was it. So, you know, sometimes with UConn and Texas, the bark is bigger than the bite. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm picking Creighton and UCLA. Fantastic stuff, John. Uh, enjoy the Big East tournament. Uh, a couple things I noted. Upset alert. Xavier. I'm going to be paying oh, attention, Xavier. Musketeer fans. There we go. Alert. You didn't call it. 
You put him on alert so we won't be surprised. And Xavier rolls by 25. <laughs> <laughs> John, we appreciate you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, guys. Oh, he is hilarious. One of his best segments oh, ever. Yeah. That's my main man, Ravi Lula. We've had a program change. Joel Renzi will join us next on Coffee and Cream. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Obviously, it's really important with the potential of three games in three days in New York. You know, you 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 need that depth uh, to get through a scenario like that. And they've been playing better. You know, Sharif has, has played really well. Francisco, I think, is now back in shape and 100%. Uh, Mason's continued to give us good minutes. And then, you know, Fred was a lifesaver the other night at DePaul uh, when Kalk got into foul trouble. So, They've all had their moments, and you know it's, it's it's a difficult situation to be in because you they don't really know when their number is going to be called. They don't know when in the game and how much exactly the game really dictates that. Um, but they've all done a terrific job, and they've been a you know a big reason that we were able to go seven and three in our last ten games. Welcome back, coffee and cream in the morning. Former Creighton Blue Jay and Spirit Ravi Lula. <laughs> Filling in for Andrew Rogers. Shane over there on the wheels of steel. We are live from the H and H Chevrolet Studios. Ravi parked correctly today, so you will not need to pick up the phone and call Dingman's Collision Center to get the, any sort of door dings out of your car. I was amazed. I did that at, for you. I was at how many people came to Ravi's defense <laughs> yesterday. They were I was like, in it's, the lines. In, it's in, the, I was lines. in the lines. It's all good, even though I think that is atrocious. <laughs> In theory, but remember, family-owned and operated, 25 years of service. Uh, Darcy, the family, she has taken as good a care of coffee and cream in the morning as any good babysitting parent can do. (laughs) (laughs) Again, four great locations, locally owned and operated. Uh, The Hub, right there on 120th and Maple, which is now centrally located in the city of Omaha, given its growth. So make sure you stop on out and see the fine folks at Dingman's. Uh, as we welcome in Creighton Beat Writer, one of the funniest non-funny guys in the business, Joel R- Lorenzi, who has to follow up John Fanta, who had nothing but jokey jokes about the Big East. Joel, good morning, man. How are you? Good morning, but hold on. What is, what does that mean? Funniest non-funny guy. That, so, that, that sounds backhanded. Man. So so no no no, not at all. It's all love. And as the the more you get to know me, the more I'm a tough critic. Like I don't like a ton of people, <laughs> but the thing that I think is funny about you is it's just your personality. Yeah, you're not trying I, to be funny. But I think it's funny because of your delivery. Funny how? Like a clown? Funny? Like, like, like funny, like, man, that's pretty good. Like, hold on, hold on. I'm not just going to let you get away with that. Like, we're going to talk about DePaul. <laughs> like, see, that's, just, <laughs> you, like you know, that like, that's funny to me because I did try to slide it in there. Kind of like, yeah, you did. Kind of like, you know, Harrison Barnes, Malik Monk, uh, De'Aaron Fox. I, I know you had the Sacramento Kings slotted in to be 38 and. 26 or 27 or whatever they are, right? It's Joel Lorenzi for the Sacramento Kings in the West right now, right? Or did I make that up? Well, I made that up. Frankly, I wouldn't uh, – I'm not sure I was thinking too much about uh, 
Do, 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 do you know why I ask you that? Do you know why I ask you that? Because uh, this, this is how my mind works. Two months ago, I asked you about young teams on the come. Mm-hmm. And, and I mentioned Sacramento, and you said, well, that's a handful of teams. Like, that could be this team. And you were right, right? It could be this team. It could be that team. It could be this team. You named about four or five. But Sacramento is the team that appears to be poised to take the next step. Yeah. And you, and you know what? They're, um, they've had a great regular season. Uh, what Mike Brown's done over there, I think he's the only one capable of maximizing the field the way that they have in the main game with with Fox and Sabonis and just maximizing that that offense and all the weapons look as good they have. Now I, I don't know how far they're going to get in the postseason, but right now they look really good. I don't want to play them. No, not at all. Kind of like Villanova, <laughs> Mister Scaredy Pants over here. I'll let Ravi get into why he has. <laughs> Post-traumatic stress syndrome over Villanova. Okay, so, Joel, I'm not going to let him just talk about me like that. I am sitting right here. Uh, hey, I'm right here. So tell me if I'm crazy or not. Like, yes, part of it is recency bias. You see Creighton go in, get their head smacked in by Villanova. But part of it is that's legitimately a bad matchup for Creighton, right? But the, between the way Dixon plays and the way they, you know, the way they pull Kalkbrenner away from the basket – the fact that, you know, Whitmore is kind of an athletic matchup for everybody if he's playing with his head right. Uh, like, like I'm not just making stuff up. Like, Villanova's a bad matchup for Creighton, right? Yeah, for sure. I think those those teams, that physical brand, um, are always a bad matchup against Creighton. Like, I think Utah is the same way, um, but just even worse because not only are they physical, but they're uh, more athletic. They got probably more shooting uh, than Villanova, and they're, and they're deeper. Um, which is why I think they, they got a good chance uh, in New York. But um, Nova, um, you know, the thing with Nova is people, obviously I think uh, the thing with Nova is I think they've dictated the pace in the past two games. But, uh, like, the the addiction game is, like, an anomaly to me. Like, people are so hung up, but people keep bringing that up for Hawkburn is a defensive player of the year case, and it's like uh, that's something that you know their defense and really that was the best game of Dixon's career. I I, I really, really don't see that happening again. That was what completely changed the game. Do we lose him? Uh, you still there, Joel? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, there he is. Okay, okay. Hey, so let, so listen, we were just talking to John Fanta, and he said. He's 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 put a couple of teams on upset alert. One of them being Xavier, but another team that he likes, and he he likened it to addition by subtraction. I know they just went into Providence and beat the brakes off them. I don't think they're going to shoot fifty six percent from three again, but uh, they they shot sixty two percent from field goal percentage at eighteen assists. Do you like Seton Hall at all? They're pretty nasty. Not gonna lie. I like what Shaheen's done over there um, with the personnel he has. That's a really bad. Um, and they can't score, obviously. Like, that's been the glaring um, deficiency for them all year. Uh, but he's turned them into, you know, a team that could win games. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they could, you know, make any noise in New York. Um, but I like what he's done. Uh, and on the Xavier front, 
that's such a cop out from from John because obviously. <laughs> hey, how do you fans, really feel? You're kind of mincing words. Like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> Look, like it's easy, it's easy to say Xavier's gonna be upset because of Fremantle, right? But I, I, I think they stayed afloat um, without him. Um, I think people are just caught up on that news. I still don't think Seton Hall could beat them, frankly, because I I just don't think they're they're great. But I know why he picked. I know why he picked David. Joel, in terms of the Big East, and I want to take it away from the Big East tournament here. It's been. I think a lot of people look at the top of the league and say, "Hey, it's it's a solid top of the league." But I don't know if anybody thinks there's any elite teams there, and maybe that's disrespecting Marquette. But do you think there's any teams at the top of that league that you look at and say, uh, yeah, they've got some Final Four, maybe national championship potential, or is that is it not that kind of league this year? Hmm. I think Final Four is a safer bet. I don't I don't see anybody in the Big East that could win a national championship. Um, my pick is still Houston. I'm just throwing that out there. Hey, let me out there. Can can I can I ask you something real quick, Joel? Since you said Houston, where does Calvin Kelvin Sampson rank in terms of coaching elite? Because he gets oft overlooked, but man, is oh, he? Top, Go ahead. Top three for sure. That I, that was my favorite coach in basketball last year. Obviously, Bill Self is hard to argue against. I think Scott Drew's up there. I mean, I mean the Big Twelve um, next year. I mean, I don't know what you do with that league. They're gonna have the best coaches. In the world, um, they already do have most of them because um, I think Jerome Tang is is up there now too. He's gonna get but, paid. Yeah, for sure. But Kelvin's top three to me. I I, I throw that out there. Uh, let me ask you about UConn. They're the favorite, plus one ninety uh, to win the Big East tournament. I, I you, you and I are kind of kindred spirits because we're like ah, people forget how good they were, but. I kind of feel like we keep saying, oh, man, if, and then fill in the blank. And they don't do the if very consistently. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's just uh, with hmm, the, the athleticism, the shooting on their best day, the depth uh, when they come around. For teams to have a day to prepare for them, even though these teams have played twice already this year, like, oh, so you have to play them today and then they have to play today. If you can figure a match, I feel like it's really hard to, to deal with them in this kind of setting. Especially like, if they have a home crowd, um, it just seems like all the sides point to at least two games in New York. I think that's why they're probably the favorite. Real quick, we got about five seconds. Who wins the Big East tournament? Probably UConn. Ugh. <laughs> All right, Joel. <laughs> we'll talk later. Yes, sir. Ron Johnson coming up on Coffee and Cream. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, my expectations haven't changed at all. Um, I think I can be, you know, the Mackey Award winner. I think I can be the best tight end in all of college football. Um, you know, I think I can be a first-round pick, second-round pick. Um, it's just I've had a few setbacks, and 
you know, the saying is one set back is just set up for a, a major comeback. And, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. It's, I don't think it's changed um, the destination. It's just changed, you know, a little bit of the timing. Getting it in as we welcome you back to the final segment. We may have a programming change. We may move Ron Johnson. He's finishing up his show. Mm. Uh, and it's already a, a small segment here at the end, so we may move him to tomorrow. A little shorty. Uh, just so he has the full allotment because he can go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You just give him a couple of questions, and he will inevitably. Uh, That's kind of the play-by-play guy thing, he, right? He is, will, he will set that. Roll. He will set that thing off, man. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. I don't want to. I don't want to shorten his time, but you know it's interesting. Let me let's finish up Big East before I get to that Fedoni thing. Yeah, real quick. yeah. yeah. Uh, in college basketball, who's your who's your favorite? Is it UConn? In the Big East? Yeah. To As far as national or in the tournament? In the tournament. Let's start small, my I man. Think it, small. Baby, honestly, I baby th- steps, Robbie. I think it's Marquette. That's the team I trust the most. Really? Yeah. On, seen, on a short window for preparation, you still like Marquette. So I... I don't want to talk you into anything. No, I, I know try, that's impossible. I'll be honest. I don't... I probably don't take that as into consideration as much as I should, mm-hmm. the three games in three days. But I have a really hard time looking at a team that I know has flaws and that I've seen struggle for long stretches. I just think if you see Kolick multiple nights in a row, you can figure it out. I would think that you could figure him out if you see him multiple possessions in a row, but that generally doesn't happen. <laughs> well, it didn't happen to Creed. That's I know what, what I mean. Like, you know, like... Are you going to be envisioning that offensive set in your sleep? Yeah, I'm just – I have nightmares Low about ball screen, it. Yeah, I wake up in a cold sweat. Um, no, like I – he's one of those guys that maybe we don't give enough credit to because of how he looks. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't look like anything spectacular. He's kind of – it's the Steve Nash effect. Not saying he's Steve Nash, but he's a very unassuming looking guy. But he gets everywhere he wants to go on the floor on a really consistent basis and not just against Creighton. So – when I look at that team, I look at Iguodaro. I'm like, that's a matchup problem for everybody. We haven't even talked about their leading scorer, Cam Jones, yet. Their backcourt is filthy. Like, I look at that team. Backcourts run March. We know this. I look at that team, and it's the only team in the Big East that I haven't seen stretches of, whether in preseason or, or in, you know, non-conference or in-conference season. They haven't had a stretch where I'm like, ooh, they look bad. Yeah. Everybody else, UConn started off this like seven and seven in conference play. They were a five hundred team through two thirds of conference play. That's not great. Obviously, Creighton has had their struggles. Providence, I just don't think the talent level's high enough overall. UConn, Sole Boom can disappear. Fremantle's not there. Like, I don't feel great about that, though they're probably my second choice. Marquette's the only team that through twenty games, and that sample size has to count for something. I haven't had a doubt about. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll give you my pick. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Creighton, and it is the non-homer pick. Okay. Because of what you said you maybe weren't paying enough attention to. On any given night, Creighton can have the top two leading scores be different. Yeah. I think it's very hard to prepare for on a short stint. I also trust Max Staff the most in terms of getting ready for a game. Sure. On a short turnaround. So give me Creighton. A dark horse that is not a That's not Nova. That's top that's not top five in terms of picks to win. Top five is Yukon, Marquette, Creighton, Xavier, Nova. 
Give me a dark horse. Providence. <sighs> Boy, I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna take Seton Hall as the dark horse. They I like Pro- I like Providence. Seton Hall can't score enough for me. No, I understand. That's I mean, and you know me, I put way more. Well, that's what on makes offense. him a dark horse, right? I put way more emphasis on offense. It's a flaw of mine when evaluating basketball because it's the thing I care about the most. It's so what, is he, then take St. John. <sighs> they can't guard a soul, but they'll score. Well, th- that's the problem though is when they don't guard a soul, they can't score. <laughs> Their half-court offense is some of the worst offense I've seen in my life. Yeah. Their half-court offense is booty. Yeah. Like, so that's – that, That's not good for those of you listening at home. That's not good offense, right? Just because the numbers sometimes get <laughs> but high. what about your booty? <laughs> just because the numbers get up there sometimes doesn't mean it's good offense, right? Yeah. So the team that I look – and honestly, that's part of the reason I don't trust Creighton all the time. See, I, don't, I can't stay in Providence. I don't either. You talk about a team that goes I just, into I some... I just dismissed them because I don't think they're very talented. But that's, isn't that your dark horse? No. I thought that was going to be your dark horse. Oh. I was guessing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I'm going to take Seton Hall. I, mine's not really a dark horse. I just said, you know, it's, it's Villanova. That's not really a dark horse because people are all on them. But they're a... <laughs> they're a five. They're, they're, the, they're the fifth highest And they're in a play-in game, so I, I count them as that. But guess what, though? I'm going to cut you some slack yeah? because we're boys. You're going to give me Villanova as my dark horse? They're both... Both Villanova and Providence have the same odds, plus 1,500. Oh, there you go. So that's not terrible. I mean, that's a long shot. Yeah. So here's – and this is why – When it goes from plus 425 to plus 1,500. Yeah, that's a gap. That's the difference between Xavier and Nova. Between the top four yeah. and then – yeah. So that that's a long shot. I'll give it to you. So this is part of the reason I probably don't give Creighton as much credit as other people do is because it's what John Fanta said, right? They sometimes go through stretches where their shot making is not very good. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't trust. But they can manufacture ways to grind it out. They can, and their defense is good enough that, especially if you don't have a bad matchup with a stretch five, that Kalkbrenner and that defense can keep them in games until they make just enough shots, right? That's what we saw last March. Will Sonogo make another couple of threes against Creighton if they see each other in the finals like he did? Could you believe that? I will take Sonogo. Take I think three- he led them in three-pointers made that game when I think they beat right. Creighton. I think you're right. Because, l- listen, and that's one of those things where I, I agree with Coach Mack on where – He's open for a reason. He'll live with that. Yeah, if that's, if that's what it takes, if Creighton is going to lose because Adama Sonogo is raining down hellfire from three, congratulations, UConn, you win. God, that sounded like a line from uh, – what's oh boy on uh, Infinity Wars? Oh, like uh, Thanos? Yeah. 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 sounds like a Thanos line. Yeah, it probably is. I watch a lot of Marvel movies. Do you? Oh, yeah. I'm a big Marvel guy. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I'm DC, but we've been through this before. I'm a huge movie nerd. Like, well, so I've this, is, all this th- is where we need Matt DeMarinas to kind of balance this well, out. Well, he loves your DC stuff, too. Well, he's an Aquaman guy, too. He understands the appreciation for Listen, Aquaman. I liked Aquaman. That was one of the better DC movies. You know what it is? I don't like... Um, Who's the guy? Zach uh, Carpenter? No, the the director. Shane, the director. Zach Snyder. Zach Snyder. Snyder. I'm not a Zach Snyder guy. So he's the ones ru- he's ruined multiple movies. The guy, the ones that aren't directed by Zach Snyder, I liked a lot. Shane, is there validity in that? You're the you're the Siskel and Ebert of the two of us. I haven't seen. I mean, everybody everybody says the Justice League Snyder cut. I haven't seen that. It wasn't any better. Well, now that you it have now that you have Wi-Fi, man, the whole world Wi-Fi, the whole world is open up to you. <laughs> 2023, my man finally gets Wi-Fi at home. You know that what I said fantastic. when I. You know what I said when I got it. What? <laughs> Welvin the Great, not to be confused with Shane the Great. Um, 
<laughs> what are we doing here? I don't know, but that. <laughs> at the end of the day, my mom's probably rolling her eyes in disgust. That will never not be funny. Oh, it's always funny. Always funny. Shane, what's the well, name? Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's what happened. I mean, I was like, I'm getting the internet today. Yeah. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> oh, shoot. And it had nothing to do with nuts or anything like that. Like pistachios yeah, or macadamia. Pistachio. Ooh, I love a pistachio. I know. Oh, they're so far. Yeah, super good. Yeah. And now they make them. I don't know if it's by design or just how you... Maybe farm isn't the yeah. word, but like Harvest how they them? come. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah, yeah. you. Rolodex. <laughs> They're a lot easier to open yes. now in their shells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are. You don't get a one, the ones that are like closed up as much. Yeah, that like you you bend or break a nail trying to get in yeah. there. You yeah. know what I learned? What's that? This is We're not going to get into anything these last two minutes probably. Um, so <laughs> totally, you know, totally off topic. Uh, are you a, you a seafood guy? I know you like shrimp. Do you like seafood I'm in general? Di- remember, death row, scallops. Muscles. Oh. So what I learned. Oh, boy. You are not supposed to eat the closed ones. Why? They're bad? So if it doesn't open up when it's cooking, that means they're bad. Really? Like you can get really, really sick. Kind of like getting the uh, the seed off an avocado. Like the seed on an avocado, like on the, the bum. Yeah. Should just come off. Uh, That's how you know it's right. And if it doesn't, it's not ripe. Yeah, leave it sit. Yeah. So if you are eating a muscle and it doesn't open up after you've cooked it. Don't pry it open and eat it because apparently you can get really, really sick. I did this. I'm at I'm like botulism or like what are we talking about sick? I, like if you eat multiple, I think you can die. Oh, yeah. That's a discourager. That's what at least that's what my wife made it sound like. I don't know if she was being dramatic. Um, I really don't. Cause is I, cause we is were, it different than not letting dough rise? Yes, it's different than that. Okay. So we were because we were out and I, I – so I knew if they were like closed, closed, you couldn't eat them. But I was like, ah, it's open a little bit. I'm just going to pop it open. I'm Team she's, Natasha on that one. I'm going to let it brag. She's like, no, do not do that. She was like freaking out. She thought I was going to die, and I, I was fine. Um, but obviously, I'm still here. What's the matter with your throat? <laughs> it's a little scratchy. I don't know. Uh, are you talking dough like bread? I need some bit. Make that money. <laughs> so, yeah, pistachios and mussels, don't, don't pry them open. Let them be. Uh, lastly, <laughs> see, we're in a PSA we, for we're, people. We, not to be confused with your, your traumatic disorder. No, it's over, PTSD over Villanova. Well, yeah. I don't want to make light of it because some either. people actually have yes. it. Yeah. But you are traumatized. A little are, bit. Yeah. Are you ready for tournament play this morning? I'm excited. You get early college basketball, man. Fantastic show. Shane, we appreciate you. We appreciate you, the listener. That's Ravi Lula. I'm ODB. We'll be back tomorrow morning with coffee and cream. Don't you dare miss us.